Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, it's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase, I'm Josh, and we are here to give you the final episode period of Harry Potter and the Hoarder Phoenix. So yeah, last week we covered the remainder of the book. Well, today we're going to give you the differences between the novel and the film, and we're going to have a lot of fun with this one today. Chase and I have been talking over the past few days on this uh, so buckle up, ladies and gents, because uh, we're going to have a fun ride today. So I'll pass it over to Chase so he can say what it do, and we'll get right into it. <laughs> what it do, baby boo. Yeah, it's definitely one of those roller coasters. Felt like I was going through a roller coaster typhoon, but I was just rolling, 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 and then boom, I exploded because it was just, uh, yeah, I had so much hope for this one, man, and I even actually remember... I was working at a theater in high school when this one came out, and this was supposed to be the Tits McGee, man. It was. People were camping out for this bad boy. This was uh, supposed to be, you know, the one where everything was on point, that sort of thing, and you can already see where kind of my attitude is towards that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, I say let's just go ahead and dive into this thing. Let's get a malice in the chalice before we get started, though. You man. got it, bro. I'm going to pop this top here because we, uh, there we are. I don't know if you guys could hear that nice crisp at the uh, end, yeah, but don't... we decided to uh, break out the adult beverages for this one because we're going to have a doozy of a day discussing the differences between this novel and this film. So, we haven't had like an adult beverage really in a while on this show, man. It's, I know it. Uh, this is what it drives us to <laughs> when yep, it's something exactly. like this. We have and an added differences man. episode. Malice in the Chalice. Off to the pit of misery with both Let's of us. Let's go. On this one, with bro. both of us. We're about to jump into the pit of misery like, head first in a second. <laughs> oh, man. I, I Remember, <laughs> uh, have you seen that movie The Good Boys by any chance? No. I haven't seen it. It's got like those kids and they're like sipping a... She's <laughs> like, your goal is... You can't be in the group unless you sip a beer. And he like takes a little sip, and he was like, "Hmm, yeah, I'm already <laughs> feeling something." <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't seen that. That's hilarious, though. Oh man! By the way, real quick before we get started, the uh, Justice League movie is coming out. The uh, new Zack Snyder edition is coming out on actually i guess came out last week right so march 18th when it came out and uh yeah so i've been meaning to check that out so you got to come over to my place and we got to check that out it's yeah i haven't seen it yet either man i'm excited to check it out man yeah i know um you know this is some crazy this is some bullshit so like rise of skywalker apparently that's what they plan on doing is they plan on trying to get that movie back on track by releasing a director's cut i feel like a director's cut is is the cop-out way like oh that makes up for it because we had to cut so much shit out well why did why are you talking about that when we just saw you do like six months of reshoots (laughs) so just throwing that out there (laughs) but i i don't know man so what are your thoughts real quick before we get started on uh like all these like director's cuts it's just like if you've got the the budget and the resources to do it now, why didn't you do it in the first place? Like, why did we have to wait until I just, I just don't get it, man. It is what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm never going to complain about more content, especially if it can improve on, you know, stuff that we found issue with, you know, so if it does, great. But like, 
you should have got your shit together the first time around. Like, you know, because you can't, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube is what they say. You know, once we see what you came out with, like, you can say, you can, you know, you do all the things you want, but we're going to have that original, the first impression lasts is what they say. So we're always going to have that, you know, initial reaction from the way we saw it the first time. So I don't know, man. Most definitely. I was just going to say, like, could you imagine if someone was like, we're going to do director's cuts of all eight Harry Potter films. <laughs> we're just like, <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe comes out and he's like 45. He's like, <sighs> <laughs> like all reshoots and you're just like, dude, like you had one chance, <laughs> one chance. <laughs> you had one chance to pull this off. And, uh, you know, well, we'll see where it goes from here. My hope is definitely Hallows, though. When we get to Hallows a couple months from now, we'll see how it rolls. But with that being said, uh, you know, here comes the boom. Here comes the boom, Freddie and I. Here comes the boys from the <laughs> south. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you kick us off, Jay Nelly. My boy from Dude, the north good, over man. there, man. It's from the north. The king of the, the king north. Of the baby. North. No, but <laughs> what I was gonna king say too north. is when you're talking about Hellos, I don't even have I don't have any hope for part two of Hellos because I know how that ends and how terrible. <laughs> well, I, you know, in my opinion, compared to the storyline of the book, how it ends is is rough. But like, I think that uh, the part one of Hellos is gonna be the one that clo- closely follows. At least that's what I remember. I haven't compared it ever before, so gonna do it. You know, I don't want to get my hopes too far up because every time we do, we seem to get disappointed. You know, so uh, yeah. With that being said, this let's go ahead and jump on into the differences between the novel and the film for Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Uh, the first, we'll kind of guys, we'll kind of do like we've been doing in these different episodes. I'll say like three or four, then I'll pass it over to Chase. He'll do three or four, and we'll just kind of go through there till we till we knock it out and uh, give our thoughts on it and, and then go from there so the first thing i've got is when harry at the very beginning in the book he was supposed to be like listening to the news under the window and like he's supposed to hear that big crack which ended up being on dungus fletcher disappearing and then like he gets caught underneath there well like he wasn't even caught listening to the news in the film he wasn't even listening to it at all like he ended up being like in this like play park sitting on a swing you know, and then talking about that play park sitting on the swing into my next one here. When all this happened, when when they confronted Harry and Dudley, well, when Dudley confronted Harry, Harry actually confronted Dudley in the book. He was looking for a fight. Remember, he was like, he wanted to pick a fight. And he waited till all of Dudley's friends left. And then he said, hey, what's up, Big D? And then, like, you know, kind of started on him there. Well, in the movie, it showed, like, Dudley, Dudley with his gang. And they were giving, like... Harry had a hard time about Cedric altogether while he was like almost like they cornered him on the swing set. Like that just that didn't happen. It was just them two, you know, in in the book. But uh, and it was also nighttime. It wasn't like day. Like they, like they put it in like the dusk of day. Like it was already night. Like it had already been the time. Because remember, he's like the when Dudley came home. If he was any time after that, it like the Mister and Missus Dursley would think it's way too late. So he had to go and. Dudley left, so it was already nighttime, so that was ridiculous, and then, um, also, this wasn't that important, but it's that, you know, if they really, the one thing we like about Harry Potter in terms of the novel is they really give a cool story to the side characters, like the ones that aren't mm-hmm. main characters, and, you know, Dudley, in the book, he was talked about being, like, the new, like, junior heavyweight boxing champ for, like, the, like, the certain age group. And, like, it was just never mentioned or even thought of in the film. They didn't even bother to do anything with it. 
And then the last thing I have is when the Dementors finally swoop down, they weren't hooded in the film. They just had their heads straight out. Like yeah. they made like they're supposed to be hooded. They're cloaked what? figures. Like it's just unbelievable. But th- that's where I'll take my first four, and I'll pass over Jason. He'll take the next four. <laughs> yeah, man. No, you hit it right on the head. Cause the first thing I had was um, the first thing I had was Dudley looked more like a rapper than a heavyweight boxer. <laughs> man, he had that pot belly. He had his gang. He was like ready to sell some fake ass jerseys to Harry sitting on that swing set. He was like, You wanna buy some jerseys, Harry? <laughs> you wanna buy some crack? <laughs> He's like, Fuck you, Harry, you can't do magic out here. <laughs> Report me for <laughs> drugs. <laughs> nah, dude, he was uh I don't know, man. I don't know how you go from heavyweight boxer champion in the school to having a pot belly. Like it, it something doesn't add up for me. So but it uh, wouldn't have taken very long to just get like personal trainers, you know, like people do train for films. That would. I mean, it was, he he didn't even show like he wasn't in like great shape though. Even in the novel, he wasn't in great shape. But like, he still it, sh- it should have been mentioned that he was like you know the junior heavyweight boxing champ for his age group. Like even said, yeah. he was still a large guy, but like his muscles were now toned in his arms. He was still kind of fatter. You know, he was never going to get rid of that. I remember he was so fat at one point they had to give him on that, that grapefruit diet. Like yeah, he was still he was still a bigger guy in the in the he novels. Like, just he didn't dress yeah. at all like a boxer. He had those like no. Shape. He looked like yeah. he was about to play basketball. <laughs> That's what Dude, he looked like. Dude, exactly. He had those like old like like those like denim shorts that go down to like mid calves and had like the chain hanging out like the wallet thing. Like. <laughs> So I think they wanted no to make sense. it seem like he was in a gang. Probably because, like I said, yeah, I mentioned, I don't think a lot of these people even read the books who created the film. And they're like, oh, Dudley had a gang? Well, this is what I think is going to go. Like, not thinking it's just a group of friends. Like, they're like, oh, no, Dudley's in a gang. <laughs> like, oh, uh, <laughs> no, man. Oh, man. But, Wouldn't that have been funny to see him, like, have, like... <laughs> Whether it was like a bandana or a do rag or something, <laughs> that would, oh, that would that would just take the cake for me. Like prison Mike from the office. <laughs> <laughs> prison Mike, man, that would have been great. Uh, next one I have was so it looked like Harry was on like a farm or something. I don't know why. Like it like should have looked like he was in an alleyway, but then and then even when they fought the Dementors, like you said, you said the hood. But why did it look like they were in a subway station? Like, I don't know. And when they, he casted the Patronus, like it's, I thought it was like visually supposed to be pretty cool, but then you could barely even see like the stag. Like it just looked like you could barely see the stag for like a second. I don't even think you could see the stag. Could you, could you, I couldn't even see the stag, bro. Like, like it was just a silver wisp. That's what I put. I was like, dude, the Patronus didn't take shape in the film. I didn't see it take shape unless you got like the extended edition and I just watched the generic one or something. I don't know, but I didn't <laughs> see there... no. I didn't see it take shape. It is. It is there. I saw it for like two seconds because I actually paused it to see if I could. And it like you can bear. It's like a blur of a stag, but you can see it. But the only time you can see it is when like he whisked it by. And it's like barely there, but that shit don't gallop or doesn't. Let me rephrase my grammar. We're not, you know, Dudley Dursey in a rap game, right? No offense to rappers. Uh, rappers usually have good grammar in English, unlike Dudley Dursey. Dursley. Anyways, but um, yeah, he, he, it just made no sense to me, and it didn't gallop or anything. 
it like hit the Dementor and like sent him like flying backwards like he was in a kickboxing competition or something. I, I remember in Prisoner of Azkaban last time I checked, like it like repelled them. But this one, like he like shot it at it and then like spiraled into a somersault. It reminded of it was like, I choose you, Gengar. And then you had like the blast stories that shot that shit out of nowhere. It just like flew backwards. So with that, I'll shoot it back to you, man. Yeah, the one next thing I have after I talked about like Harry's Patronus didn't take shape in the film was a note that I had written down. Is like n- n- there was no Mundungus Fletcher at all in this book in this film. I'm sorry. Like in the book, that was a big thing. Like he disapparated, which kind of set off this series of events. He was supposed to be watching Harry, right? Well, Mundungus Fletcher never disapparated or even appeared in this film at all. Um, you know, finally. Oh, this is also another thing too. When they finally get. Uh, Harry or gets Dudley back to the Dursley's house, like Uncle Vernon's like, You finally have driven him loopy. Like he never says that. That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> like it's like he seemed more like he was so angry in the book. He seemed more like scared in the film. And he's like he doesn't seem like he's not an imposing figure. Like the who they have him portrayed as in the film isn't imposing. He's just a kind of like an old man that I don't know. You don't even think twice about like in the, at least in the book he's like a somewhat of an antagonist. You know, you kind of are intimidated by him. like you know if you're Harry being 11 years old at the time when Sorcerer's Stone took place to kind of grow with him through. Like you know, he's supposed to be a large, beefy man with like almost no neck and you know just kind of just someone to. Oh, I think of him like it's one of those bosses that just talks down to his employees. But like this uh, this guy is just I don't know. It just wasn't it for me. But anyways, uh, also the letter doesn't read itself. The Ministry of Magic's letter doesn't just read itself in the book. Like, he opens, like, it wasn't a howler. That doesn't exist. Like, like, whatever they had that do. And it had, like, lipstick on the envelope. I don't know what they were trying to do there. But uh, for some reason, in the movie, the letter doesn't even mention that the Ministry officials would be on their way to snap his wand like it did in the book. Like, that was a big thing. Is like, Harry's wand's going to get snapped. Like, he's going to go on the run and try to fight, like, the wizards that are going to come take his wand from him because he couldn't be, you know, in the world without a wand. They didn't even mention them snapping his wand in that thing. It just said, like, you've been expelled from Hogwarts. It didn't say anything about them being on the way to snap the wand. And then, in the movie, he only gets one letter. In the book, he gets two from the ministry. He's got the one that tells him you expelled, and he gets the second one saying, well, now there's going to be a hearing. Instead, you're not quite expelled yet. But, yeah. You know, so, then the last thing I have before I turn it over to you is, for some reason... Uncle Vernon never attempts to kick him out in the film, and Aunt Petunia never receives the howler from Dumbledore. Those are two really big, important parts, because if you guys remember, what happens at the end of Order of the Phoenix that we talked about last week, like, we find out why Dumbledore sends Harry to his, uh, you know, aunt's house every single year at the end, because he can't be touched there by Voldemort. It's got that, you know, the blood of his mother runs through Petunia's veins. So, like, he's safe there, but, like, they're just gonna cut that part out. It's a huge part that's integral to the story of, like, why it would be crazy if Uncle Vernon tried to kick him out and then Ambitunia receiving the howler because she's not supposed to have any sort of like connection to the magical world. You can't just leave that out. But anyways, yeah. I'll let you go from there because yeah, I got to take a sip of this thing to keep my nerves down. <laughs> I wrote that down too. I didn't have this moment, but I did research that. Apparently, you can see the howler on a deleted scene, but the howler is just one howler where it was like supposed to be multiple howlers in the book apparently they have no it was only it was only one howler in the book to petunia was like remember my last petunia that's all it said it was only the one howler 
But gotcha. Well, yeah. if it is there, they cut out like a really important scene. So <laughs> just uh, whatever. Um, <clears throat> next thing I had from here is so I guess uh, well going back to the Dementors, I felt like Miss Fig wasn't exactly how she was portrayed. Like remember she was like like Dumbledore like is gonna be so mad because Madungus and all this stuff like was so like antsy about it and everything and then when you met this miss fig she's like oh keep your wand out harry <laughs> keep your wand out it's like dude like there was just like a two dementors like the most foulest filthy creature on earth and you're just like don't forget to keep your wand out <laughs> yeah I, I don't know man um and then yeah uh the next thing i guess i had is when the group shows up I did think it was cool, like, Tonks's hair was different, it was long, so that was cool. Um, but remember, she's like, don't call me Nymphadora. So I was like, oh, alright, <laughs> okay, but I, I can buy it, whatever, I'll let it slide. Um, but I did think, I'll give him props on this. The broomstick flying scene was pretty cool, like, when they flow, like around london and we're next to the boat i thought that was pretty cool i was like yeah visually stunning michael bay syndrome and then you had the like soundtrack which was technically called that song was flight of the phoenix but it was like da -da -da -da. like it was like so like upscale felt like the damn soundtrack played all through the film like they just put it on a playlist and just let it play over everybody um and then the last thing I did think this was cool. The actor that plays Kingsley Shacklebolt, I thought he was pretty awesome. So, yeah. And uh, with that, I'll turn it back over to you, man. Yeah, they did a good job with Kingsley's casting. He was pretty cool. Um, I will say the thing that frustrated me here is like the movie didn't build up the frustration of Harry feeling left out with Ron and Hermione sending him letters being super vague. It just like jumps right into the advance guard, take him to the headquarters. Like there was a whole thing of like how he ended up sending like letters and said to Hedwig, "Yeah, don't stop and don't stop pecking them until I get like good long responses back." Like, like there was no letters sent to Harry from Hermione or Ron or Sirius or anybody. Like they didn't build up the frustration of how he felt so alone and isolated, and that's a big issue of what happens later on. Like you can't leave that out. <laughs> but anyway, whatever. Uh, also, when we get to Grimwald Place, Harry couldn't just enter Grimwald Place like that. Remember in the book, he had to read the letter first because. Uh, Dumbledore was a secret keeper. Like, he just, like, appeared in front of Grimmauld Place in the book, and, like, it just expanded, and it was just there, and he can just walk right in. Like, no, and that's a big part, because it explains the Fidelius charm a little bit, because you remember, like, Fidelius charm is really important when it came to Harry's parents and the secret mm -hmm. keeper for them that we already talked about year books past. But mm -hmm. the problem with that is, you know, if you're just going to say that he can show up like that, what's that? What's to stop any of, like, the Death Eaters, the bad guys, showing up and just walking in like that? You know, you have to have to, you have to have consistency when it comes to big key moments like this, like him having to read it, then the, the paper shriveling up and burning so that no one else could, you know, by a chance see, you know, where the headquarters of the Order of the Phoenix are. That's a big moment. So yeah, that pissed me off. Um, also, <laughs> they botched the whole scene of Harry learning a little bit about the Order. Like, remember oh, the movie? wasn't even half there. Like, no, like, there exactly. Like there. Exactly. It wasn't even half there. Like, they didn't just botch it. Like, they're, like in the book, there was a huge blow-up fight. Mrs. Weasley and Sirius, like, arguing back and forth. They're trying to say hurtful things to each other. And, like, 
basically, you know, and, this, and also Mrs. Weasley in the book, she tried to kick everyone out but Harry, but they all fought her on it. And then she gives in, but kicks Ginny out. Remember that? Like, it's like she's like, well, Fred and George, well, we're of age. Then Ron and Hermione are like, well, Harry just going to tell us anyway. She's like, fine, Ginny, out. And, like, that was it. Oh, but, yeah. like, in this, in the movie, they're all just casually discussing it. Like, they're just, like, casually discussing over dinner. Like, yeah, well, this is what we're doing in the order. Hope you guys, like, cool, like this is cool. Like, oh, what? Yeah. I, that was so ridiculous. And, and then uh, from there, they just go straight to the ministry hearing. There's no scene of them cleaning the house. No Mrs. Weasley fighting with the boggart. No Ron and Hermione <laughs> becoming prefix. Nothing. They don't even get the, the, the prefix thing is never mentioned in the film at all. They don't get prefix badges. They don't show them being prefix, period, in the movie. So <laughs> just, ah, so there, I'll, I'll let you have it before I go nuts. But yeah, that's that, that's where I'll leave it for that one and turn it back over to Chase. Shit. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to keep going nuts. I'll bring up this little point. It was cool how Tonks was changing her face. Like, that was done pretty well. Sure. She, like, changed her face into a pig and a bird. That was pretty accurate. So I gave him a point on that. So currently it's, like, two film books. Books are at, like, 30 right now. (laughs) So, like, they're getting blown out. Um... I did put the soundtrack to the ministry was good, <laughs> but then, like, when did he ever call the phone on top of that? Like, they never call the ministry. Like, he just, like, goes down the elevator thing, and he was, like, there with Arthur. Uh, by the way, too, his hearing, he was supposed to be extremely late when they changed the time, but then remember he showed up, and it was, like, the weirdest moment, too, that even, like, created another plot hole, because they tried to mention it. So they could kind of like rush past it when Dumbledore shows up and he's like, well, because I've been here three hours. Well, <laughs> okay. Like one, I don't recall him saying like, ex- did he say exactly three hours in the book? Uh, Yeah, he did. He did say I, I showed by, by happenstance. Okay. I showed up three hours ahead of time. He did say that. In That's the book. it. I yeah. knew he said something similar. I just wasn't sure if it was the exact same. But because they just rushed past it and did that, like it made no sense. Like why is Dumbledore just showing up three hours ahead of time? like why if no one knew the hearing was early even though they kind of mentioned it but that's the thing though like like that was that's one part in the film that kind of is in in correlation with the book is remember like they basically did it because they didn't want Dumbledore to show up they wanted to do the hearing without him and Dumbledore kind of had a feeling that that was going to happen so he did show up in the book three excuse me three hours ahead of time because he knew they were going to try to screw him and they ended up he ended up finding it and then when he got there in the book Cornelius is like, oh, you didn't receive the letters that we sent you? Exactly, and, that's what yeah. I was talking about. When yeah. Arthur, yeah, when oh. Arthur was like, you got to get there now, and they changed the time, like, all that was gone. So all of a sudden, you just, like, based on Dumbledore's thing and what they said in passing real quick, you're like, oh, I guess they changed the time. Thanks well, also, King, Kingsley's is the one that whispered in the film to Arthur in his ear that they changed the time, where it was actually Arthur's assistant in his office mm-hmm. that came up and said, hey, did you know they changed it? Like, That's you know, it. so that That's was a big difference. So, yeah, it was Kingsley in the elevator. Remember, Kingsley whispered in his ear. Like, you couldn't hear what Kingsley said, but that was, okay. that's the whole thing. Is Kingsley whispered to Arthur and was like, hey, they changed the time. Like, you got to get down there now. And that's when Arthur's like, oh, we got to go. <laughs> like, Got it. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was. His, but it was his assistant. It was his assistant in the book, though. So I don't, I don't get that. Because, like, his moment with Kingsley did come in the in there. 
but it was about the magazine article about Stubby Boardman being Sirius Black, the like the fake singer or whatever. Remember, he's like, he's like, here, give this to Sirius. Remember, that's what he he told like uh, Kingsley mm-hmm. told Arthur to give that to Sirius because he get a good laugh out of it. That was in the book, and that was something that happened. But in the movie, it just was like, here, Kingsley's just going to tell Arthur about the changing of the times. We're going to cut out the rest of the ministry, like seeing where the Order's offices are, seeing where Arthur's offices is. Like they just cut all that out, and they just said, yep, there it is. So. Yeah. Even worse, like, how can you have that in there, but then you cut out Rita Skeeter's whole shit later down the road? We're not even there yet. <laughs> We're not even there yeah, no, yet. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll throw one more, and I'll turn it right back to you, man. Um, the last one here. Uh, so I thought the visuals of the ministry were cool with the flu powder and the golden fountain was there. You barely see it. But um, other than that, also... Uh, I do want to say, I guess I'll give him another point. Yeah. The actor, actress that played Umbridge, she did play her pretty much down to a T. Like, I thought she did play her really well. And with that, I'll, I'll, I'll turn it back to you. For sure. Yeah, I would like to see her being, like, a little bit older. But in terms of, like, her characteristics and how, like, mm-hmm. she said things, like, no, she did play the character very well. I thought, you know, in my mind, she was, like, going to be, like, one of those, like, squatty old women just a little bit older, grayer hair. You know, she seemed, you know, a bit young for the part, but she did play the characteristics very well. I'll give her that for sure. Um, yeah, is, the next one I had was one I kind of actually went over with Ewanex and talking about Kingsley wasn't the one who told Arthur that they changed the hearing. It was Arthur's assistant in the book. Um, but Kingsley was supposed to give the magazine about Sirius to Arthur. But, you know, anyways, moving on from there. Remember in, like, the hearing itself, Dumbledore in the film was like, Cornelius, please. The, the, the evidence is in front of you. You can just take action. Like, Dumbledore never pleaded with Fudge in the hearing to accept Voldemort's return. Like, Dumbledore doesn't plead with anybody. Like, what in the world <laughs> was that? Like, I don't... Like, that was absurd. I don't, I don't um, <clears throat> The next one is, like, they don't show Harry and his run-in with Lucius Malfoy in the movie. Like, you can... Like, when they go to the hearing, you see Fudge and Malfoy talking in, like, the distance and, like, whispering. But remember, they had, like, words exchanged. He's like... Oh, you, you keep slipping out of tight spots. And here's like, yeah, I'm good at escaping. Like, trying to give him a jab back for, like, the graveyard where he got away from him in the graveyard for being a Death Eater. Like, so that's a big part that you can't just skip out. If you're going to put them there, why not just include the whole thing and, like, actually what happens? Like, what's mm-hmm. the point? I don't, I don't know. And then the next thing that really pissed me off is they go right from the hearing right to King's Cross Station. Like, it was, like, the hearing, and then all of a sudden, here we are at Kring's Cross. You didn't go back to Grimmauld Place. No celebration. No, like, like congratulations, here, or, uh, Hermione and Ron, for becoming prefix. No, here, Ron, here's a new broom. Like, none of that. It was all left out. It was all left out. They go right from the hearing. The next scene after he gets let off is King's Cross Station. Like, that's crazy. And, like, <clears throat> and also, Sirius was not the one who showed Harry the original of the Order of the Phoenix photo. It was Professor Moody, or well, Mad-Eye Moody at the time. Like In the book, it yeah. was Mad-Eye Moody, and, like, Harry didn't want to see it. Like, he was disturbed by it. Like, he was, like, like saddened <laughs> to see it. In the film, like, he's like, oh, yeah, serious? That's my mom and dad's the whole thing? Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> and, like, he's like, no, he's like, yeah, Harry, you can keep that photo. Like, dude, that was just so different, <laughs> like, in all aspects. The person who gave it to him was different, and Harry's reaction was completely different, like, Harry seemed happy and thankful that Sirius gave him that photo and allowed him to keep it in the film. In the book, she clearly states that, like, when Mad-Eye showed it to him, he, like, felt weird and wanted to, like, get away from it. And that's why he ran upstairs and saw Mrs. Weasley with the bogger. Like, 
Like, yeah, that's which was uh, perfect that Mad Eye gave it to him because Mad Eye is kind of like that weird person where like he yeah. doesn't really want to be around him all the time. Which I like the actor that plays serious though. I thought he did really well, but it was just like it changed the whole mood of that entire momentum that was shown. Like it, it, it basically, it's almost like you're trying to flip the story. Like this was such a great time. When the first order got their ass kicked, just like they did, <laughs> just like we'll talk they about did. that later, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, keep going this, though, yeah, yeah. The, the, there's just this one last thing I'll give you before I do it, put it back over to you is uh, Harry didn't just sit in the same compartment as Hermione and Ron. He was found like he had he was forced to sit with Luna, Ginny, and Neville while Ron and Hermione were on prefect duty in the book. Like in the film, like he was just sitting with Ron and Hermione like it was a regular old Hogwarts Express trip. Like, that's not what happened. They took everything to do with being a prefect out of the film entirely. Like, it was not mentioned once throughout the remainder of the film. So, they just they just took that out there. But what that does is it builds into Harry feeling more alone and isolated from his friends. Like, this is the first time that he's had this whole summer being isolated away from everybody. Like, you know, now he's going back to school. But, you know, Ron and Hermione can't even sit with him. He's got to, like, talk to, like... Like they call her Looney Lovegood, like this weird girl, you know, like forced to sit there. And then also Ginny, a year younger, like, you know, and then Neville. Because remember, like, Cho sit, like, goes past and says hi to him. And he was, like, thinking he didn't want to be seen by Cho hanging out with Neville and Luna Lovegood. He wanted to be seen like, with cool people laughing and have a good time. Well, they just don't have any of the character story progression to that at all in the film. They just leave it right out. There's like, no, just a regular Hogwarts Express trip. Harry, Ron, and Hermione have a great time on the bus. We'll see you at Hogwarts. Like, unbelievable. So, with <laughs> that, I'll time, turn it over guys. to you. Golly. Uh, this... Oh, I... I... <laughs> you know what I think of this movie, honestly? Uh, Bellatrix the Strange. Awesome. <laughs> That's all I have to say good about it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, sorry, Ronald over here. Ronald over here falling in the in the front guys that's what this uh movie drives me to do it makes me want to knock everything over that i have set up on purpose <laughs> anyways <laughs> so the next uh i did want to say this though i got to give him one more point here the actress that played luna she did really well i thought mm-hmm. she did really well so um that was i thought she played her down to a t um as far as I thought this was a cool little ad. I keep giving them points here, but trust me, it's going to run out soon. On the newspaper, it mentioned Plotter. So I thought that was a cool little, like, ad where it said, like, Plotter. That was interesting. (laughs) Like, see, I can't give them... These aren't big points. These are, like, what was... You should have made these little ads on your own without changing any of the story. Okay, here we go. Uh, Harry's dreams. Where the fuck was the corridor? (laughs) (laughs) Where the fuck was that? Last time I checked, we had like, like five, six dreams of this big ass long corridor and the blue flames. Like, where was that ever? Like, I recall the dreams, like, we'll get into later on, where apparently, like, Voldemort shows up at King's Cross in a suit now. Like, he wears (laughs) suits, apparently. I don't know. Fucking strange. Uh, so that shit never happened, apparently. Um, and then the argument with Harry and Umbridge, 
like so it happens but it's extremely downplayed and they like cut out the entire point pretty much like hermione said like two words she said like two words and they're like okay straight to harry so we can sweep it up and she's just like detention and he's like ah no no <laughs> they're like okay you're taking detention like that was like it and then yeah it goes to mcgonagall and she's like you're gonna serve detention and that was literally like the like everyone forgets that was literally like 15 pages like that remember we read that whole like 15 page deal that happened well i don't know where the hell that was um also the detention i will not tell lies is super fucking downplayed it happens for an entire week in the book it happens for like one day and harry's just like ah, ah. and then like you can see it cut into his hand and she's like and then he just stares at her and then it uh, you assume i guess it happens over the next hour and then it's done and then i don't i and then on top of that like I guess it was okay because like Umbridge can conjure a cat Patronus that we've talked about, so they put cats all over her office. I don't really know where this came into play. It was in I the guess... book too. It was in the book. She had a lot of cats on the saucer pans, like in the in the book as well. Okay, I do remember yeah. that. Yeah, I yeah. gotcha. Okay, yeah, I guess I, that's acceptable. But it was it looked more like a tea room, by the way. <laughs> it looked more like a tea room than an office. So, but I'll, I'll accept it. Um, and then the last thing, and I'll send it right over to you. So, um, I guess this was cool. Like the scene with Hedwig flying over Hagrid's hut with the letter to Sirius was visually stunning, but at the same time, Michael Bay syndrome, because (laughs) that whole scene was like, Harry reads the letter as it flies over. Like there was no thinking about Sirius really in this film at all. Like, yeah, man, I'm so glad you show up at the last minute, Sirius. I've been thinking about you this whole time. Well, like, I never once recall Sirius or Harry ever trying to get to the fire. So we'll get to that later. But, uh, yeah, let's uh, turn it back over to old Jay Nelly himself. So just to back up from, like, right after, like, the Hogwarts Express, when they get off it, this is the first part where I'm going to give the movie any sort of credit. I did think that Thestrals looked pretty cool. Uh, that was something that they did yeah, well. Like when cool. Harry looked at it and it did look like a reptile horse, that was pretty sweet. Good job, guys. You did one thing right. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> so uh, then for the next thing, the book for the Defense Against the Dark Arts class in the movie was called Dark Arts Defense Basic for Beginners. In the yeah. book, it was called Defensive Magical Theory by Wilbert Slinkard. So just okay. like really... What was the difference with just writing different words on a bit book? Like why? Like that doesn't take anything out of the budget. Just put the right book in there. Like unbelievable. It made yeah. no sense. And also, this kind of leads into your argument about that fifteen-page stretch we were talking about. Like when it says mm-hmm. detention with Dolores or whatever. In the book, Parvati brings up the concern of their practical portion of the owls, and Umbridge tells her if they study enough, they should be able to do it the practical part in person. And, like, the students express dismay that the first time that they will attempt these spells will be in the owl examinations themselves. Like, none of that's in the movie. That's so important. Like, this is supposed to be their year to pass these tests to go on and figure out what they're going to do after Hogwarts. This is, like, the almost like the SATs of the magical world. And they just they slipped all that past. Like, they didn't do any of it. They left it all out. Like, that's a big, big charms. deal. Like, that's the thing. It's like you just... 
you're supposed to feel nervous for these characters like yo how are they going to go ahead and do all these practical spells you know for the first time never once actually practicing the use of them and having to do it for the first time when they've got an examiner over their shoulder like that's a concern you're supposed to have and that also leads into why you know the DA is started is you no know, cuz they know that they're going to need to do that but that's something they decide wasn't important enough to put in the film whatever um and then to uh, the other part, Umbridge in the book gave Harry a note to take to McGonagall regarding his detention. They don't just step right into the detention after the class. Like, that's what they did in the movie. Like, she's like, detention, Mr. Potter. And then it was like, after the class, Harry just stays there. And then what happens? He, he the detention showed him cut into his hand once. One time, it did it. And then that was it. Like, I must not tell lies. Like, cuts into his hand once, and then they decide that'll be enough. You guys got the point. Okay. Uh... <laughs> Last thing here, well, no, no, I'm gonna actually go to where you got to. I'm gonna catch up with you. So here, so here they go again, pushing Hermione's character. In the book, yeah, they brought up a few episodes back that it was never mentioned at any point that Harry told Hermione about his detention. But we assume he had to have told her at some point because later she does make him the essence of Mertlap. Well, in the movie, she looks down and goes, "What happened to your hand?" When Ron was actually the one, yeah, when Ron was actually the one to notice when he came back from the secret Quidditch tryouts, which leads us to where the fuck was Quidditch? <laughs> so, anyway, anyways, he's the one that actually saw Harry's hand first because he was trying to hide the broom from Harry, and Harry was trying to hide his hand from Ron, and like they they end up seeing each other's stuff, and like they they kind of has that brothers bond where they tell each other their secrets, like yeah, this is Umbridge did this, and and Ron's like yeah, I'm trying out for Quidditch, I don't know how it's gonna go. Like, that's a huge moment. Like, and not to mention, Quidditch period is a big thing that they just don't do. Um, and then the last one here about that note to Sirius. Uh, his note to Sirius was over-dramatized, which, you know, it's a movie, so I can accept it. But in that letter, they never mention Hagrid by saying, remember, like, we're all missing our biggest friend. That's a big part. He was trying to write, write in code. He said that in the book. He didn't put yeah. that in the movie at all. And nor does Filch, like... In the film, they just leave out the fact that Filch stops him and accuses him of sending an order of dung bombs and demands to see the letter. Remember, that was a big thing. Is like, are our letters being monitored and tracked by other people? Like, Filch never stopped Harry in the film and is like, hey, let me see that letter. I heard you're going to go send dung bombs. Well, that's a big moment because it means someone was trying to look at what was in Harry's letters. And they just left it out. It's just, yeah. So with that, man, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. Yeah, um, I'm really right at that point. So it was interesting the way I guess they did it introducing the Thestrals because in the book it was supposed to be in Hagrid's Magical Creatures class. In the film, like, Luna's, like, standing there with them. Like, she, it looked like she was, like, trying to, like, breed them or something or she was, like, a... a a thestral herder like a cattle herder or something and she like tells like the whole story there also like at that point it's totally misplaced when luna tells harry about her mom like that was in the last chapter of the book and they do it right there <laughs> she's like yeah remember that yeah like she says unfortunately all my shoes have disappeared i suspect nargles are behind it and then harry goes your feet are going to get cold luna Unfortunately, all my shoes have disappeared. I suspect Nargles are behind them. Like, I don't... Luna's weird, first of all. But, like, she's not weird enough to the point, like, she's not going to wear any shoes. Like, why the hell are you going to do that? But then, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was this scene. Or it was one a little bit later. 
but it was different than the book when like he just she just goes and tells him about like her mom um also mcgonagall and umbridge's argument is actually in the in the film it's over um harry's hand where in the book remember it was the whole career advice and it, about him being an aurora and she's like i'll make sure harry becomes an aurora if it's the last thing i do and it was awesome and like she was doing audits anyways she gives the whole sacking of Trelawney in the movie. Like, why can't you fit that in there? But no, you have to change the entire perspective that Harry, like, or someone told on his hand. So McGonagall finds out, like, that never happened, ever. So that's what caused the argument. Like, I don't know who decided to pull that out of their ass. Whatever. Um, we'll give them this, though. Umbridge's audits were like really funny because they added like the soundtrack to it like it was like do 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 or whatever it was so i'll give him one point for that and she played it really well um but i guess the next one here so okay so this was uh yeah so she has that whole like deal with the sacking of trelawney and then of course dumbledore like comes out there's no friends anywhere in there no friends and like remember the way in the book this is why i have a problem with the way this portrayal of dumbledore was and i hate i don't think the actor is a bad guy i just hate this portrayal in the book dumbledore like says it very calmly he's like you know you do have the right as the high inquisitor inquisitor to terminate you know terminate or whatever word he used um my uh teachers but you do not have uh the authority to banish them from school grounds the stumbledore was like you do not have the authority to banish them from school grounds like this is multiple times we've seen this going to goblet of fire your big book apparently according to the movie he shoves harry against the table like i don't ever like recall that this was supposed to be the first book where you ever even saw a hint of like where he was angry at something and it still didn't even come across angry if he can walk to voldemort calmly don't you think he can walk up to professor umbridge i i don't i don't know man like it's this is my problem and with that i'll, I'll turn it back to you so I'm gonna take it back to that Thestrals moment because there's like it's all bad. That Thestrals moment is all bad, right? <laughs> they don't even meet the Thestrals until Hagrid returns. So why the hell is Luna playing with one in the Forbidden Forest, which is out of bounds <laughs> to students? Like literally in the books and in the movies, what do they say? The, you know, the, the Forbidden Forest is out of bounds to all students. Like you can't be in there, but she's just in there chilling, playing with them like they're domesticated horses, like. And, uh, unbelievable. You're not allowed to be in the Forbidden Forest, let alone playing with Thestrals with no shoes on. <laughs> like, and then, you know, Luna is not the one who educates us on Thestrals and why some mm -hmm. can see them. That was Hagrid after he gets back. And, like, mm -hmm. it, it leads, like, that's why it's a big lead-up for when Hagrid finally returns. Like, oh, that scene was all bad. Then to your point about McGonagall, she never accuses Umbridge of medieval punishment in the book talking about the cutting of the hand. There was a big... They made it a big point to talk about how Harry did not want to show weakness. So he was not going to tell any of the teachers, not McGonagall, not Dumbledore, nobody about what happened to his hand and how his uh, detention with Umbridge went. So they just said, 
fuck all that noise. We're going to have McGoggle <laughs> find out about that and have them get in an argument. Uh, then also, like, the movie just made her the High Inquisitor in, like, five seconds. There was no build-up to it. Like, there aren't how many educational decrees there were before that finally happened in, in the book. Like, no, it, just, like, in five seconds, she was the High Inquisitor. Um, Cho first appears in the movie as everyone in the hall... And like uh, they're, when they're they're all in the hall and like they're talking about like she tells Harry about Trelawney getting fired, which in the book that's way later and actually happens during a clemency lessons with Snape. So like remember that like that's that's a whole thing that happens there. There's, like there's a big commotion and Snape and Harry both leave Snape's office and they they see what happens to Trelawney there. Cho's not the one that tells him that. And it's not just randomly in the hallway like oh Harry Trelawney's getting fired. Like what no. Uh, you've already mentioned this, but I'll retouch on it. Dumbledore doesn't introduce Ferenz as a new divination teacher. That just, just disappeared. That doesn't matter, apparently. Um, <laughs> Sirius never once told Harry that he was on his own. Remember when he appeared in the fire? And he was like, it seems for now, you're on your own. Like, Sirius never did that. Actually made a point in the book to say Sirius had never kept Harry waiting. Anytime he was needing any help, Sirius was there on the double, man. Like, he was there, like... Like, Sirius never once was like, oh, yeah, man, guess you're on your own, brother. Sorry. Like, they what? They convinced Sirius just... to not go to Hogsmeade. Remember that? Like, Sirius wanted to go <clears throat> yes. to Hogsmeade with them. I don't know. That's yeah. And then also, there's also the part never comes up. That was the only communication there. There was, like, nothing else with the fires that come in big in the book later on. Umbridge never tries to grab his head out of the fire. That just doesn't happen, period. Also, there's no mention of Sturgis Podmore, which was like a huge thing with Podmore being part of the guard that was supposed to bring Harry to King's Cross and like, you know, how he ends up in Azkaban for being in the Department of Mysteries when he wasn't supposed to be. Like, that's a huge thing that like leads up to like what's going on there. That was left out. And then this is one of the biggest things that pissed me off. They don't just have the name preset to Dumbledore's army at the first meeting at the Hogshead. They're at the Hogshead, and the list literally says Dumbledore's Army right on it. Like, they literally vote on it in the first meeting. They go to, like, three different names before Ginny comes up with the idea for Dumbledore's Army. And the reason why that's important is because it ends up making Dumbledore have that moment against the ministry officials in his office. Because if they named it anything other than Dumbledore's Army, Harry and the rest of the DA would have been screwed. And they would have been expelled. But because they named it Dumbledore's Army, Dumbledore took responsibility saying, yeah, it was my idea, not them. I'm the one to blame. Come after me. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and make you all look stupid real quick and flush my wand and put you all to sleep. And I'm going to escape. Which, that scene got fucked up too. Oh, man. I'm on a fucking roll, bro. I'm going to calm down. I'm going to calm down. Uh, the last one I'll have before I give it back over to Chase is Neville just doesn't stumble accidentally upon the room of requirement. And what nor does fuck fucking Hermione this? already know about it and give its definition. She's like, the room of requirement, also known as the come and go room... That's not her. Dobby is the one who tells Harry about the room requirement and says it's also known as a come and go room to the house elves. Hermione doesn't know that. Hermione's never been to the room requirement. She doesn't read about it in the book. Like, they just, like, they try to force us on her. It drives me nuts. But anyways, Dobby's the one that tells Harry about the room requirement, gives him the cool place to learn how to do the DA stuff, like, or, like, how to teach and where to teach and all the books that were supposed to be in that room. Anyways, you know, I'm getting worked up, so Jay, go ahead and take it away before I break my screen. <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie Horrible Bosses? Yes. That was chance. one of my favorite movies. Like, really funny. This relates. Yeah. Because all I keep thinking is, remember when, uh, uh, what's her name, Jennifer Aniston, 
she makes uh makes what is whatever his name is phil or whatever like keep touching her and she's like this is bad 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 <laughs> every time i fucking turn around they're fucking it up again every single scene is fucked up man every single scene is fucked up in this fucking movie excuse my language and you know i try not to ever use bad language on the show but occasionally there are some <laughs> words that have to be said there are some words they fucked up my franchise. That's what they fucking did. Excuse my language. Excuse my language. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. It's because they're getting people that don't read the books, so they think this is great. And then they don't read the books because they feel like there's no reason to because this has everything in it they need to know. It's just abridged. Well, no, because it's not everything you need to know that's abridged because it's a different fucking story. <laughs> that's the problem here. That's the issue. All right, getting to it, right? So, uh, here we go. Next thing. So, we have, back to where you were saying, where they have that whole meeting, right? Where they're talking about Dumbledore's army. So, one, there's no, like, Zachariah Smith or anything really mentioned. Like, there's a couple people that say things. And it was totally downplayed. I have no problem with the actors. Like, I have no problem with the actors. I have problems with portrayals. And the way they were taught to do things, told to do this for this movie. So here's exactly how it goes. Uh, so remember he was like saying, he was like, it, it, it's not like in real life. Like, it, it's not how you were taught. It's, it's luck. You think that happens? Well, in the book, first of all, like in the book, he was like screaming at them. And he was like, if you don't want to be here, just clear out. Well, Harry's like, well, you can clear out now. <laughs> well, if you don't like it, you can clear out. All right, whatever. And then uh, I guess Emma Watson tried to save it with her little v v Voldemort comment. But here's exactly what happened, right? So she goes, he goes, facing this stuff in real life is it's not like school. In school, if you make a mistake, you can you can just try again tomorrow. But out there, when you're a second away from being murdered or or watching a friend die before your eyes you don't know what it's like you're right Harry we don't that's why we need need your help if we're gonna have a chance at beating v Voldemort and then it's supposed to be like super shocking and it wasn't at all and then he goes he's back everyone like looks at him first of all everyone's supposed to be trying to deny him at first until they're asking him about a corporeal or incorporeal patronus and you got susan bones like ancestor or granddaughter over there and everyone's like staring at him and zachariah smith isn't even there and they're just like oh got it that makes sense that makes sense after he's like you just don't know what it's like like what the fuck is your deal <laughs> i don't get it man i don't i don't understand it also uh there was like a scene it was supposed to be visually appealing but they were all like coming back from hagrid's hut or whatever the fuck they were doing and like umbridge and filch have like their own personal scene where they're just standing there like Daenerys Targaryen on the stone steps of King's Landing, like watching them come in so she can put more decrees on the wall. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Ain't nobody gonna be stepping on my girl's toes like that. If you're ever gonna have a scene like that, you better burn down a whole fucking city. <laughs> That's all I gotta fucking say. 
Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, you hit the nail on the head about Neville. Not even going to go there. There was no uh, portrait of Barnabas Barney anywhere. That was kind of a big deal or how they located it. Hermione came up with this amazing uh, scheme with the uh, DA coins showing how genius she was. And they talked about how she should have been sorted into Ravenclaw. Never saw any of that. But yet you really want to blow over like blow up Hermione's proportion in the film and Hermione's my girl, but you don't want to put anything that actually makes her look smart. Like, please explain. Cause that was like a genius plan. You could have easily put that in there versus like her, like discovering the rumor requirement. I don't know, man. And, and with that, I'll turn it back to you. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like I was saying, like, I don't have any problem. I know we mentioned this last week. I have no problem with like Hermione's portrayal in the books is the film. Like, they make her say things and do things and come to realizations that she actually does it in the book. And then when she actually does do dope things in the book, they don't put it in the film. <laughs> like, that makes no sense. Uh, yeah, we're talking about the room requirement again. Like, what the heck was up with that Death Eater-looking dummy in there? Like, that was like... there was They were supposed to have, like, cushions and they're practicing spells on each other and falling back on the cushions, according to the book. And it's supposed to be filled with books in there. All the defensive spells and books Thank and, like, anti-jinxes and stuff. And all they had was this, like, Death Eater-looking dummy that was on, like, you know, I don't know, wooden pallet or something. Then, like, Ginny ends up, like, incinerating it with a reductor curse, which isn't a real thing. Like, the reductor curse is a real thing, but, like, it doesn't incinerate things to ash. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Anyways, Filch keeping a lookout outside the room of requirement was ridiculous. Like, he set up a little shop there, put the table on, like, had his coffee and sitting there with his bagel. And, like, <laughs> fell asleep and, like, like... Like, that was just goofy, like, whatever, that, uh, unbelievable. <laughs> like, they added educational decrees, one being, like, an interrogation in the film. Like, there wasn't, like, an interrogator, remember? Like, they, like the, one of the decrees was, like, you know, they're allowed to interrogate you one by one, and she had people going into her office and, like, you know, asking them questions and interrogating them in the film. That just didn't happen in the book. Not to mention about the educational decrees, they went up to, like, 119, in the movie. Yeah, I was like, like what? Like, there They're was not 119, the there was, like, 29 or something like that. <laughs> like, there was no, nowhere near, the, uh, that was unbelievable. <laughs> you said, like, the fuck? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> you got me not even speaking correct grammar on my own podcast. <laughs> fuck that, man. Then, oh. this was another part that really pisses me off. Because we talked about this when I gave my interesting fact last week about Antonin Dolohov potentially creating his own spell. Well, next book, there is a spell that, like, someone creates. And anyways, Levicorpus is a spell that's used in this film. How? Motherfucker, how? It's not even mentioned until Half-Blood Prince. Levicorpus is not mentioned until Half-Blood Prince. And it wasn't just used once. It was used in the rumor requirement, and then it was re- it was used in the Department of Mysteries too in the film. The film fucked all of that up. It like was you can't just take the way it was used. you can't <laughs> yes because it was supposed to be like a bullying thing like you know like, it's like so that suspending someone upside down like it like made people fly away from you in in the film that was so dumb you like you can't pick and choose like what to oh my gosh like the fact that they brought a spell that had not been introduced yet into this film with a slap in the face to J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter as a production. Like, you were literally ruining stuff that you're supposed to learn about later on, and on top of ruining it, like, by spoiling it, you're not even doing it right. You're not even using the spell correctly. Like, that's one of the most ridiculous, uh, outrageous things 
I've seen. Um, then the last thing before I turn over to Chase is like Harry's dream in the movie. First off, Arthur was not in the Hall of Prophecy walking around. He was sitting <laughs> on a chair dozing off when the snake attacked. Like, I don't know what the world that was. It, just, it was just all bad. Like, it was all bad, man. I fucking hate this shit. I hate Dude, it. me I too. Hate <laughs> and you know, so, like, we're the type, like, we don't even like to rag on things. Like, we like to talk things up or, like, give credit where credit is due. Keep it happy. Like, you just fucked. You literally tried. In the words of Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp, my boy from the movie Blow, no, I came down here and you fucked me. Like, that's <laughs> what you literally did. Excuse my language. And here's the problem, man. Here. Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start. There's so many problems. So many problems. Let's go ahead and just start back, all the way back with the rumor requirement. We'll, and we'll bring up fucking Nigel Creevy in a minute. I'm piggybacking on what you're saying. Fine, fucking, I'm going to say it right now. Well, Why there's no, Nigel... but the thing is, there's no Nigel Creevy in the books. It's Colin and Dennis Creevy. Those, yeah, are, the two, yeah, yeah. those are the two Creevy brothers. It's Dennis and like Colin Creevy. Nigel in the film, right? I don't. I'm, I'm assuming that's what they were trying for, or maybe just Nigel was a new character they introduced. But there was like no Nigel in the book. Period. Like, I assumed it was like Nigel Creevy, like his no, third brother. No, dude, there was only two brothers: Colin Creevy from his second year, who took all the pictures, and his brother Dennis, who got like attacked by the giant squid, or like helped out of the boat by the giant squid. Yeah, like there's. That's why I was like wondering, just because no. he was so small, like he was like five years old. <laughs> like he was five or something dude yeah i don't know but it definitely wasn't a creepy because no there's no one named nigel so i think that's just a character they added for their own benefit i guess yeah anyways uh so the big portion here and i was talking to you about this today i was uh gonna let you take it if you wanted but so like this adds to your point of that they did not the directors never once read these books like i don't care like maybe they said they did maybe they skimmed over them one night no definitely not there's no excuse you can't say that because here's the problem so jk rowling described to them what the rumor requirement looked like just like you were saying looked like almost like a library like with all the books remember all the books get flung off the shelf when they're uh shooting spells out of whack you know wands were going out of people's hands when they were learning how to get better um and you know it named all the books in there that they found all that stuff the director said, like, J.K. Rowling described this to him to a T and was saying that. And he said, but we decided, like, it would be really cool if the whole room looked like a mirror. So you have, like, all these fucking mirrors in the room requirement. And they said they went so far. Like, they blew, like, a significant amount of the budget on doing it to the point of the entire cast had to wear special shoes that slipped over, like, velvet that had to be edited out in the scene because the room of mirrors was gonna crack if they stood on it like why did you do that like one it would have costed you less just to like just go to a fucking library like how fucking hard is that you're filming in london and pinewood studios anyways just go to fucking cambridge university like just be like can we please use one of your libraries for like 10 fucking minutes no like you spent like millions of dollars turning this room into a big ass mirror where your entire cast is having to wear special vel velvet shoes that don't crack the glass or get overheated due to lighting, so you have to edit it out to spend more money? 
what do you have to say? Like, I, it's like, I don't know. What's your response to that? That's what blows my fucking mind. I don't have any response to it, dude. Like, you you know how I feel about the movie, man. Like, I told told Chase, because, like, when I was, I had told him, because I had done the research, like, a day before he did, and I was texting him about it, and I told him, bro, like, you know, this, you know, I'm a storyline purist, and for me, this was the worst adaptation of how closely it follows the storyline, and Chase goes, worse than Chamber? I was like, bro, way worse than Chamber. Like, that's all I've got to say. Like, that's all I got to say about it, man. And you know what's sad, man, was I was really hoping, like, I had hope for this one. Because I thought, as like, they were getting older, maybe, you know, as they were changing directors and stuff, that's when they really started reading the books. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> I've never, I've never even heard of something like this. I've never even heard of this at all. <laughs> I've never even heard of something this bad. I could have literally gone and watched. I I, I I can't even I can't even comment on it. Uh, one last one. So when Harry begins his relationship with Cho, uh, apparently he starts developing the relationship. If you notice for just a second, as he was levitating Nigel, just <laughs> harping on what you were saying. Like apparently they used that scene that they completely ruined by the way, which is supposed to be saved for, you know, the next big part. (laughs) So that he can uh, develop his relationship with Cho, but their entire Valentine's Day is filled with a box of candy that he eats from Fred and George getting pus balls and pimples all over that squirt out on Umbridge when she breaks a wand. So, okay. And with that, I'm going to turn it back to you, man, because... how about a malice in the chalice? Ooh, feels like we've been here forever, and it feels like forever. <laughs> oh man! Mm. Cheers, buddy. Malice in the chalice, man. Malice in the chalice card, baby. Malice in the chalice card. What are some old '90s depressing music songs that would relate to this? Let's see. We got. Semi-charmed yeah. life by Third Eye Blind. Oh, that's good. That's it's good. perfect because like the charms, like them using the spells, like like I think semi-charmed life by Third Eye Blind. I need something else to get me through oh, that's this. Good. Semi-charmed kind of fucking movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's so good. Okay, that's the malice and the chalice. We each have to name ten. So you name one. I so can't name ten. But I'd say we probably like each like we'll five. name yeah five, five to get four, to ten in five. total yeah five uh, well I'm gonna let you go first oh so like all of them jeez man yeah just so think of we'll uh I will go we'll go semi charm life for number one I think that's a perfect representation um what about uh, I miss you by Blink One Eighty Two because I missed the real storyline. Uh, I miss I miss the action I miss I miss the actual storyline to the book that they decided to go off in the movie. Uh, then what about uh, hmm? What's another good one on top of that? And, uh, I was thinking like I thought of a lot of uh, '90s post grunge <laughs> that can apply here. 
I'll say, uh, what's it called? Um, we don't need no education. We don't need no education. Yeah, like, yeah. that's another one because like Umbridge is screwing up the whole school. So like they like Fred and George have that moment where they don't need no more education. So that's number three for me, probably. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, golly, that's a whole nother issue. They just straight up like. Screw oh, your boys I over. Know it. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> they just, uh, they, they, yeah, they really you got did. two more. No worries. Two more. Let's see what else we can we can put in there. Um, jeez, I know that's, that's a tough one, right? It's. Uh, I would say that one song by Macy Gray. I tried to walk away and I stumbled. Cause I oh, that's good. It. Yeah, it's clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that because like I've been, I was sitting there searching so hard for you know great moments in the film to you know make me happy with you know being a storyline purist and you know like i tried to walk away but i stumbled i tried to fight it it's clear oh, <laughs> oh that's man. great man so that's probably number four for me then the last one let me see if i can get like a really good one. Oh, jumper third eye blind again because mm. well, i want to jump off the fucking ledge watching this oh, movie yeah, sing that one that one's good uh, that's classic, wish you man. would jump back from that ledge my friend you could yeah. cut ties with all the lies that you've been living in and if you do not want to see me again i would understand <laughs> Big Dirty got that voice, man. You know they're bringing American Idol back. Oh golly, man! Big Dirty crushes it on Factor Melody here. So I'm just gonna name the ones we just went over: Semi Charm Life uh, by Third Eye Blind, I Miss You Blink 182, that uh, Macy Gray song, (laughs) like I try to walk away and that (laughs) stumble. Jumper by Third Eye Blind was my fifth one, and I know what was the other one that I I said too. I had another one in there, but I forgot it. So. <laughs> was, um, <laughs> what's sad is I almost was like, closing time. <laughs> but Jeez, it wasn't right? that one. It was something similar to that. But can you think of what it was? So, Jumper, and you had... Yeah, so the, in, in the order, it was uh, Semi-Charmed Life by Third Eye Blind was number one. Number mm-hmm. two was I Miss You by Blink-182. Number three was that Macy Gray song. Um, okay. Number four was the one I, I'm... I kind of, I don't know what happened to. It was. Uh, I don't know what happened to that one. But then number five was jumping. And it wasn't the jumper like step up from the ledge, my friend. No, no, okay. that was that was number five. That was number five. No worries. Ah, uh, jeez. Try to think. What was the yeah. band? Oh, <laughs> you almost had it. You almost thought of it. You almost thought of it, man. Um, okay, I'll tell uh, you what. I'll do my five, and then we'll come back and see if you remember. Okay, so see if I can remember it. Yeah. Yeah, we want to see if you remember this. Um, so the first one I'll say because uh, actually there's a deleted scene where that would have been really good uh, where they had like, I found about this on YouTube, where Harry was like next to this waterfall, like really grieving Sirius's death. But they cut it out because they figured that wasn't important. So I'll say, don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> yeah, like you used to. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, baby, fuck yeah. So put that one as number one. Or um, let's see. <laughs> or uh, Five Finger Death Punch. Just walk away. Make it easy on yourself. <laughs> yeah. Just walk away. 
Please stay away from this hell. <laughs> so I'm bad. actually going to... I'm, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you real quick my own Malice card. It's on the same thing. I just yes, want to put in yes. a new... I want to swap out one of my songs. I'm going to swap out the one I can't think of because you just need to think of one. Especially because we're at that part yes. right now with the snake attacking Arthur Weasley. Uh, I'm not the one who's so far away when oh, I feel God, the snake so bite good. enter my veins. Never did I want to be here again, and I don't remember why I came. That's a Voodoo by Godsmack, and that'll that's be my right. number four. <laughs> oh, man, that's good. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, fine. You made me think of one because I used to think this was by Godsmack, but it's not. It's actually by Papa Roach. So I made me think of this. So this would be number three. And it, I'm not going to actually do this to myself, but it's what this whole fucking movie makes me want to do. Cut my life into pieces. This is my last resort. Suffocation. No breathing. Don't give a fuck if I'm coming out bleeding. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. This is my Cut last my resort. Yeah. Suffocation. No breathing. <laughs> Don't give a fuck if I'm coming out bleeding. Do I even care if I die breathing? Would it be wrong? Would it be right? <laughs> Parents are tonight. Slaves to chances that that I'm right. <laughs> oh, fucking kill it, man. Yeah. Fucking ah, oh, that's what it wants me to do right now. Like literally, that's what this movie does to me. So that's number four. So I had waterfalls. I had uh, five finger death punch. Walk away. That was uh, number two. I had, um, what was that? Uh, Last Resort. Did I say one more already? I thought I said four, didn't I? No, no those are your three. Those, those are the three that okay, you that put. Was, okay, that's three. Let me give you two more. So you got two more. Uh, let's see. Hmm. <laughs> this sounds bad, but I guess because, you know, Harry was kind of on a farm in the beginning. Y'all remember Nickelback? <laughs> Too bad way back in the day. Father's hands aligned with dirt from long days in the fields. Mother's hands serving meals. A cap day on this street with mouths to feed. Ball gag clothing on our backs. But all I think about is how it's so bad, it's so bad, it's too bad, it's too bad, too late, so long, so long. <laughs> fuck yeah, fuck out of here, <laughs> fuck out of here, sir. Okay, fine, uh, last one here, let's see, um, mm. oh, here's the best one. Um, how did, uh, I'm trying to think of how it goes, because it's so famous. Mm. Fine. Uh, here we go. I'll just start from this lyric because I can't remember how it starts. Near, far, wherever you are, all I know is that my heart will go on. <laughs> Once more, you open the door, and I know that my heart will move on no fear no nothing's near there's nothing i fear long story short because you fucked up my entire franchise so there's nothing to fear anymore because next time i stuck it in a half blood prince i'm not expecting shit and uh, so, <laughs> 
Yeah, counting down, man. That was on my end, and then we're going to jump back to you for your five, so you can go right through it. That was the first one. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Uh, can't remember who sang it. It was a 90s song. I'm sure you guys know. Um, I'm sure it was Flavor Flav or something. I'm just kidding. I can't remember singing it. Anyways. Bro, it's TLC. They were the TLC, biggest girl band. classic. <laughs> yeah, dude. They were so but... famous. I knew they were about to be all over. They were like the most stuff. famous girl band back in the day. TLC, yeah. No, well, I'm more of a Destiny's Child kind of guy. <laughs> Love don't cost a thing. Honorable mention, I should have said Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again to your heart. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Okay, fine. So that was Waterfalls, Walk Away by Five Finger Death Punch. The third one was uh, Last Resort by Papa Roach. Uh, fourth one was Too Bad by Nickelback. And then the last one was My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. And that is your Chase, uh, Chase Brown Factor Fantasy music playlist uh, for international I Fucked Up Harry Potter Day. And uh, back to Josh for the Jay Nelly playlist of the directors really fucked up our day. Yep. For me, it's semi-charm life because I need something else to get me through watching this shit. That's number one. Uh, number two, I Miss You by Blink-182 because I missed the real storyline from the book. And I guess you can kind of push that into Sirius Black dying. You're going to miss him too later on, whatever. Then um, walk away, because like, I try to walk away, but I got to keep doing these things for you guys. I keep re-watching these films to take the notes on it, even though I'm sick of it. And then that was, so the walk away by Macy Gray. Uh, that number four, Voodoo by Godsmack. Uh, you know, it helps out with the, the, the whole the snake bite entering the veins there. And the last one, Jumper by Third Eye Blind. Because, you know, it makes me want to jump off the ledge, my friend. <laughs> so let's do a little cheers and get back into these differences and cheers, rock it babe. from there. Hey, by the way, the people that are uh, listening to us that are next to our studios, <laughs> they probably are like, please, dear God, don't ever, like, try out for music lessons if that's what you're training for. Well, yep. literally, do, little do they know. Malice in the Chalice. These Malice in the Chalice cards are off to the Shadow Realm. And the pit of misery, just like my heart and all my ambitions are, and um, encouragement. Pretty much anything that has to do with the film <laughs> is <laughs> off to the pit of misery. Uh, back to you, my man. <laughs> cool. So then, I'll, yeah, I'll start with the like that Harry's dream again. Like, you know about the, like in the movie, how like that was just super weird. With like, you know, Arthur was just like patrolling the Hall of Prophecies, like, going in and out of the things, and, like, the snake attacked him on purpose, where, if you guys remember, in the book, the snake didn't want to attack him, it was there for a more important reason, but Arthur had fallen asleep, and he started to wake up and come to, and saw the snake was there, and then said the snake had no choice but to bite. That's how it went in the book, but in the film, it was like, let's attack this red-headed motherfucker. Like, what? That was so <laughs> dumb. Like, uh, And then, in the office, Harry never once screams in the book look at me <laughs> like he never does that it is not a thing um, <laughs> why would he ever do that <laughs> yeah and then like and then on top of that going in from there 
Dumbledore didn't just summon Snape and command him to take Harry that minute and teach him a clemency. Like, he, like, brought Snape, like, in the movie, brought Snape to his office, like, we need to teach him right now, <laughs> like, this second. He can't even, like, they don't even go back to, like, Grimwald plays for, like, like, Christmas, like, at that point in time. They do in a little bit, but, like, that never happened where, like, Snape just brings Snape to his office and Snape drags Harry down to the dungeon to teach him a clemency. It's like, it's like <laughs> they went to Grimwald Place, then St. Mungo's, then celebrated Christmas, and then before they went back to Hogwarts, Snape showed up and they had a big argument with Sirius where Snape called Sirius a coward, which is a big moment leading to what Sirius ends up doing later. They left all of that out, bro. All of it out. It was so bad. Um, then... Like, there is no, like, mystery trying to hide it from Umbridge. Remember, like, he was like, all right, McGonagall, you head off Umbridge. We're going to get these people out of there. Like, she didn't even come up in that moment at all. Like, that was just ugh, so bad. Then one more thing before I turn back over to Chase, and this is, like, a longer one. But when Hagrid returned, in the movie, Umbridge was already interrogating Hagrid when Harry, Ron, and Hermione got to his hut. In the book, it was, like, reverse. Like, Harry, Ron, and Hermione went to Hagrid's under the invisibility cloak, and Umbridge, like interrupted their conversation they had to hide in the corner underneath that invisibility cloak also in the movie it was like springtime where in the book it was winter because umbridge brought up the fact that she saw footprints to the snow leading up to the door so like what <laughs> what was this what was this i don't know man i'm gonna give it over to you before i have a heart attack so go ahead That's and take another it one. jack skellington what's this I can't believe my eyes. What's right. this? You caught me by surprise. What's this? It fucked it up. Anyways, back to what you were talking about with St. Mungo's real quick. By the way, like Dumbledore's badass like instrument he used with the snakes and the flute, like that was not even there. <laughs> like apparently that doesn't exist. <laughs> Get your ass to the dungeon, Harry. We got some clemency to work on together. <laughs> Fucking weird. Anyways, uh... Okay, so the next thing I'll mention here is, I guess I'll give him this little point. Like, the kiss scene with Harry and Cho is kind of cool, I guess. A little prolonged, but, like, they had the mistletoe that, like, grew. I can I can deal with it. And you know they, like, they, like, planned. Like, that was, like, their favorite part of the entire movie. They made sure they planned that, like, for the entire movie <laughs> over everything else. Um... I'm laughing because I wrote that same down, same thing down. Look at me! It rem you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of where we were talking about with Azkaban, where he's like, and if I see him, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> I'm going to kill him! <laughs> it's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, what the fuck is your deal? Um, okay, so where were we here? Uh, yeah, uh, the elf heads, I said, wasn't there. I guess probably a good idea. Like, better to captivate all audiences. No, they did have them, but they were different. They were in, like, those weird chambers of, like, liquid. Like, instead oh, okay, of having them yeah. hanging on the doors, they had them weird, like, so, like, they were preserving them almost like in vinegar with the heads inside the test tubes, like, in there, instead of, like, hanging on the doors like they were in the book. So they had That's them in right. there. It was just different. I actually had that written down, but yeah. It was like Palpatine, like, secretly yeah. living at Grimmauld's place. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> and even worse, I was going to give him benefit of the doubt. Like, maybe you can't have that for all audiences. But no, they still tried it anyway. It's like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> wow, you're really fucking us here, man. Um, Like you said, you, you hit on it. Like, Hagrid, like, basically, like had no story at all. <laughs> like, he just showed up with some scars on his face um 
Okay, here's one. This is a big one. Let me know if you need to catch up from here. So remember, like, the big thing was they find out about Neville's parents at St. Mungo's. Well, Neville, like, sees his parents in the room of requirement. <laughs> like, why? They're still alive, first of all. <laughs> like, they're not Like, well, he, he sees, like, the pic. So, like, I, like, that part, it did suck. And it was completely changed. But what happened uh-huh. is that that original picture of the Order of the Phoenix is what Harry put on that mirror. And, okay, Harry, and it was right after they learned that the Death Eaters escaped. And so, like, that was, like, the fact that his parents tormentor was now large again and he was looking at the picture you know that's why oh, he okay. tells like that's where the movie was going with it it still sucked but like at least i understood where they were going with it got it but, i thought they were trying to do like the mirror of Ariseth oh yeah no no i was like what is going on okay so that makes sense but it's still bad like point correct me. uh this was cool and you brought this up in our episode, which was accurate to the book. Like, Hermione's Patronus was an otter, and Luna's was a hare, which was a rabbit. That was, like, visually stunning to see. Like, that was some of the best parts. Like, Michael Bay syndrome, you know? Like, that was really cool, watching him, like, jump around the room. <laughs> I guess. Like, that was, like, really cool. I enjoyed that part, so that's another point for them. Um, and I'm going to let you take this part, man, because there's a massive, like, difference in this whole, like, DA sacking, <laughs> DA discovery. So I'm gonna let you take that part because this is all fucked up. I, I have to catch up one part here about the Hagrid story about the giants. Like the Hagrid stories about the giants was so dumb in the movie. It just basically said that he'd given the giants Dumbledore's message and he supposes some will remember it. Like n- nothing about how they were getting along great with the first Gurg and then him his head being ripped off by the second Gurg and how they almost got chased out of there by Death Eaters. How they barely had managed to escape. Like, none of that cool, badass story that made it make sense why he was gone for so long. Just, yep, delivered messages to giants, and hopefully they'll come. That's literally, like, all it said in the movie. It was really dumb. Um, then uh, that Neville part we already touched on. I don't need to say that. But now, in the in the movie, the Inquisitorial Squad had, had Cho Chang hostage. And they made it look as though she gave them up. Where in the book, it was her friend Marietta. And, and Mary and Marietta ended up with like the sneak pimples on her face. Remember that? Like, like that was a whole big deal because once you signed that uh, paper that Hermione had come up with that really cool thing again, where if you're going to push Hermione's character, do it the right way by doing things she actually did. Like they didn't talk about her putting a charm on that paper at all. And it wasn't like, and Cho's friend never appeared in this film, period. In the book, it was her friend Marietta. Her friend Marietta gave them up to Umbridge and the, the sneak pimples that came up in big words across her face, all in boils and pimples across there to make her, like, you know, want to hide her face and not say anything. Like, that was just left out, completely omitted. And so that, they made it look like they interrogated Cho until Cho cracked. And, like, that's just not what happened at all. And then, on top of that, the movie botched one of the coolest moments in the book (laughs) when Dumbledore takes the fall for the DA. In the book, he knocks them all out unconscious. I'm talking... Percy Weasley, I'm talking Dawlish, I'm talking Kingsley, I'm talking Umbridge, I'm talking Shacklebolt. He knocks all five of them out, unconscious, with his wand in like one twirl, and then has time to tell Harry, hey, nothing's more important than you learning occlumency, and then like, you know, just leaves, you know, from there. Where like, in the movie, they all like start going towards him, he just puts his hands up, claps his hands on the phoenix feather, and the fox makes him disappear. Like... It made Dumbledore look like a bitch. Like, no, Dumbledore knocked all you motherfuckers out and had time to give Harry a message and then escape. And like, you know, like, it was so dumb. And then on top of that, we talked about this, like, you know, not too long ago. 
where in the movie, Kingsley Shackleford was like, you may not like it, Minister, but you can't deny. Dumbledore's got style. Like, that's not what happened. Like, in, in the book, it was Phineas Nigellus, the portrait that said, you, may, you know, Dumbledore's <laughs> got style. Like, you know, like, it's just, it was so different. All of that was, and it just sucked because, you know, we, got, we would have had an awesome opportunity to see, you know, what Dumbledore's capable of while still being calm, cool, and collected, where five ministry officials are attempting to uh, apprehend him, and he's just like, nah, you're done. Like, you know, like, no. Instead, they all start coming to him, and he looks like he's got to flee like a coward. Like, oh, shit, they're coming at me. Like, no, like, I don't know, dude. So that frustrated the hell out of me. One thing I did like about the film, though, that I will finally give its second, like, good thing for me. I only had one up to this point was how the Thestrals look cool. The second thing for me is I did like how they put the whole DA in detention in the movie. Like, I thought that was bad because it showed that they all end up getting repercussions for being a part of that illegal, like, group. So that was awesome. Like, Dumbledore wasn't there to, like, um, you know, stop her from doing it. She had full control now, and she made them all write lines. They all came out with their hand bleeding, and then when they came out, like Cho tried to talk to Harry, and Cho's like, and then Harry, no, Harry tried, you know, Cho tried to talk to Harry. Harry like ignored her and like walked off. But like, yeah, dude, I thought that was kind of cool how they she put them all in detention. They all had to do it, so I thought that was interesting. But with that, now that I finally said something good about the movie, I'll turn it back to you. (laughs) Uh, you know what I was thinking about this little thing. That's where we should have mentioned. The tipsy gypsy card. Walk yeah, right. like an Egyptian. Hey, hey, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. No, I mean, you mentioned it. The entire Inquisitor squad doesn't even exist. Um, and uh, here's my problem with the Church Aang thing. Like, all right, like, I think it's cool he put them all in detention, but they tried to make it look like that's, like, why he was mad at Cho was because, like, the DA, which was sort of true in the book, but it was mainly because they weren't getting along because the Valentine's Day that just they chose. Well, that's, that's not necessarily true because, like, remember in the book, it started. There was a big fight for Valentine's Day, and that's okay. what caused them to start being on rocky terms. But then remember mm-hmm. when he finally gave Rita Skeeta, which never happened, right? Rita Skeeta right. the uh, interview when in uh, the Three Broomsticks, and like mm-hmm. that came out in the Quibbler. Cho came up to him, put his hand, right. put her hand in his hand. It's like, oh, it's so brave of you to give that interview. Then kiss him on the cheek. So they were good again. But then, because Marietta gave up the DA, Harry and Cho actually did fight about that. Like, you know, like, oh, well, you know, Hermione should never have done that. And she's, he's like, well, I thought it was very brilliant. And he's like, of course you thought anything Hermione did was brilliant. And like, you know, so they did get in a fight about the DA and about Cho's friend, but they just removed Cho's friend from this. So it still sucked, but yeah, I could at least I could, I could I could follow the logic that they were having, even though it was just not accurate. Yeah, um, and you know, you brought this point off because this is the part kind of where we're at. Like watching Filch hammer in like a hundred decrees on the wall, like there's like a hundred of them on there. I counted. Um, like I saw the last one was 119 was the last one they showed. They had 119. And then I thought this was entirely stupid. Like some people might think it might play into his character, but if this was the case, I don't understand why they didn't bring up like the whips for Fred and George or anything. He like shook like the portrait people off the painting. Do you remember that? He was like, hey, 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 hey. And like for some reason, like he like went to like take the painting to his office. Like it was like some magical instrument or something that he would confiscate. Do you remember that when he like shook the people yep. off the yep. painting? Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, hey, hey. Like why? 
Like you added that in there for what what reason? Um, and then of course, uh, let's kind of go here. We have. Oh, this was my big problem. Was Ron uh, goes with Harry and Hermione to see Grop, and the centaurs aren't even. <laughs> they're mentioned in passing, but they don't even appear. And like you said, there's just no Quidditch. <laughs> kind of a problem, right? <laughs> kind of just a little bit of an issue. Uh, and then I'm gonna let you take Grop from here because you had some very interesting words to say about this earlier. Oh, I got lots of interesting words to say about this. Let's let, let's go ahead and back up to this point because, like, I, I know we touched on it, but let's really dig in deep for just a second about the whole Valentine's Day thing. They them leaving Hogsmeade to go on that Valentine's Day date never happened. They them sitting in Madame Puttyfoot's tea shop never happened. But the real big part that came from that is when they ended up having that interview with Rita Skeeter and Luna Lovegood. So it was a big double thing. You know, we get to learn more about the Quibbler and it becomes more of a prominent thing, which is going to play a big role into Deathly Hallows. But there's a big part there that was left out. And the fact that Rita Skeeter makes a reappearance and actually publishes a story of truth for once, which is really important because Hermione made her do that. And like I said, it, that's what gets people to start questioning the Daily Prophet's version of events and start getting people to maybe potentially be on Harry's side. You can't leave that out. You literally can't leave out when he decides to go public with the story he's been keeping from everyone because he doesn't want to relive it. He finally did for everyone and put it in the quibbler and you just don't even mention it in the movie. That's a travesty. That's That cannot happen. Like The director should... Mm, I've got words. Anyways, yes, let's, let's go to Grop now. To your point, to recap quickly, you know... Hagrid just appears behind a pillar and whispers for Harry, Ron, and Hermione to follow him randomly on the bridge where we know what actually happens. Ron is not even a part of this. In the book, Ron is playing Quidditch. And like we said, Quidditch is completely omitted from the movie. But one of the big parts about Quidditch is leading up to it, Ron was sucking. He was letting all the goals in. He wasn't <laughs> any good. And like the first goal gets let in that they see and they think it's going to be another one of those oh great here we go again we're going to get our butts kicked and we're going to lose the Quidditch Cup and Hagrid's like hey guys Hermione Ron while everyone's or Hermione Harry while everyone's paying attention to Ron and Quidditch I need you to come with me I gotta show you something can it wait? no it can't wait you gotta do it now while everyone's not paying attention to what we're doing and that was a huge important part so Ron wasn't even supposed to be there number one that was a big thing there that's the first thing and then in the book uh, you know, uh, apparently, Grop listens to Hermione's. No, not in the book. I'm sorry. In the film, apparently, Grop listens to Hermione's command. Put me down now, and he just sets her down. That never happened. She, he's not on command. That's what I'm saying. That's the shit they do with Hermione. Like she gives him like a command, and he sets her down. No, that never happened. No. Like he takes swings at it, and Hagrid's like, "No, Grop, be bad." And like Grop hits Hagrid and knocks Hagrid <laughs> like ass out on the ground, like. Dude, and then the fact that they made him look like an oversized child, that was not meant to be, that's not how he's portrayed in the book at all. If you see the illustration in Grop the Chapter, I'm pretty sure it's chapter 30, I just thought of my memory, I'm pretty sure Grop is chapter 30, you see a big amount of hairiness where you see like two giant feet at the bottom, but it's supposed to be a big hairy like mass, almost you think what, you would think you know, I would say Bigfoot would look like, Sasquatch would look like in a way, mm -hmm. is kind of how he's portrayed in the book. And the fact that he looks like a toddler that's 16 feet tall, it's not accurate, especially because you guys remember that Hagrid talks about later on in the in the book saying, we got to get 
uh, Grop he's thinking about getting Grop a lady friend. Well, obviously this thing's not mm -hmm. a child if he's thinking about getting a lady friend. So how can it look like an oversized child? Like the way it looks like a toddler that's 16 foot tall. It's just a plot hole. Then, yeah. so that's a big issue I've got with that there. You mentioned the fact that they don't get stopped by the centaurs on their way out like like that they do in the book. Yeah, when when like Hagrid ends up, you know, we get to learn that Hagrid actually saved friends from getting trampled by the other centaurs. So I don't know, dude. It was just all bad. All of it was terrible. And the fact that you know, she, apparently Hermione can give Grop commands, and Grop's like, "Oh, okay. Well, since Hermione said it, I'll just set her right on back down." Like mm -hmm. uh, it's just really silly. So yeah, I looked it up for you too, just to make sure. Yeah, it's chapter thirty. You got it right. Oh uh, yeah, off the top of my head. Like yeah, it's like yeah. if I can remember that. There's no reason why you can't remember to put the scene <laughs> in the damn movie. Like, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So, anyways, that that's that one thing there. And then, to kind of get past the, the whole giant mishap here, I'll go into when Harry used the shield charm in the movie and took a <laughs> quick trip into Snape's memory, and Snape kicked him out. Well, in the book, what actually happened is... Harry did use a shield charm, but it was before Snape got mad about it. Remember, he used a shield charm and he saw quick flashes of stuff, and then like Snape like pulled it off, but he didn't kick him out after that quick moment. Those were just little tiny, like three quick flashes he saw, and then you know they continued on with their classes because you know he, Harry's like, oh shit, he's gonna make me, he's gonna make me pay. I wasn't supposed to see that. So no, it actually ended up happening where Snape got to the point of kicking Harry out, like he went into the pensieve when Snape left and said, hey, like you know Professor Umbridge needs your help. And he's like, very well, Potter, we'll continue this tomorrow. You know, he left, and then Harry, like, stays there and jumps into the pen seat. Well, even if we're going to compare the past memories, whether it was through the shield charm or through the pen seat, which was a difference in and of itself, the actual dream was completely different, too. Number one, <laughs> like, Lily was, in the book, Lily was supposed to be defending Snape. Lily wasn't even in the even memory. There. Like, she wasn't even there, there in the memory in this thing here. Also, they were supposed to be, like, in, the, in an examination room. They were supposed to be started in an examination room, like, Charms one with Professor Flitwick, and, like, go from there to find themselves outside. No, it just has, like, like, I guess you would think Little James, Little Sirius, Little Lupin, and then, like, advancing on Snape and, like, bullying him, like, in, in that, like, and just turning him upside down. They just, they really screwed up the, the nuances of the hatred of the relationship between Snape and James, which plays a huge role throughout this whole series. They really, really fucked that up. So, anyways, with that being said, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, I mean, it's just... It's literally, no pun intended, unspeakable. <laughs> it's unspeakable. Not, I remember, like, Snape was even throwing cockroach jars at him that exploded. And he was saying it wasn't that... You know, Snape was throwing things at him. It's exactly like his father was every bit of, um, every bit of uh, whatever they called it. Arrogant. Of the day. Yeah, arrogant. arrogant. <laughs> yeah, arrogant that he was told. But um, you hit that on the head. Next thing I'll say is uh, the fact that, literally the fact that um, the entire Owls chapter that you hit on, the astronomy exam isn't there at all. <laughs> like, isn't there at all? We don't get to see Hagrid uh, break away from like his like big sacking with uh, Fang on his back. Any of that? Like, none of that's there. Like, just omitted. Um, 
I heard someone claim, like, apparently, like, McGonagall did get hit with a wand spell at some point, but I didn't see that in there. Maybe it was, like... Did not happen in the film. Yeah, I didn't Unless see that. Unless there was an extended that. edition somewhere that I have yet to see, it did not happen in this film that I'm pointing at right now. For those listening on the podcast and can't see the YouTube channel, I'm pointing at the actual DVD. You guys can ask me, I'll send it to you, <laughs> and I'll, send, I'll ship it to you, and you guys can watch the same disc, and you will not find Professor McGonagall getting hit with shit in that movie. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that at all, man. So that, that whole thing was just, like, not even there. Was not even there. Um... Well, by the way, guys, I just want to throw this out there. I'm already at 48 differences. So for everyone that thought this film was so close to the movie, <laughs> think what you want. I'm just going to let you know right now how many differences we're, I'm at. Um, and these are main differences, not like, oh, I'm being pity about it. Um, so uh, you, I, Alan Rickman, I did put, he's a really good actor. So I, I give him that. I did like how he was like... He was like, uh, he did say this. This was interesting. He was like, that's, he was so calm about it, though, as opposed to, like, in the books where he was so angry. Remember, he was like, that's private. And Snape goes, not to me, not not to the Dark Lord. And then uh, it says, you know, he says, every memory exists with a weapon, and he can use it against you. You wouldn't last two seconds if he invaded your mind. And then... uh that's when he says, you're just as arrogant and lazy as your father. And he goes, don't say a word against my father. Weak. I'm not weak. Then prove it. Control your emotions. Discipline your mind. And that's why it's like, legilimens. But that was, uh, or legilimens, however he said it. That's entirely different from the book. But Alan Rickman is the man. I will say that. Um... You hit that on the head, all of Snape's memory. Um, here's this one. Um, apparently, like, Harry sees Fred and George with a boy. That little boy that it said, I will not tell lies. Well, in the book, it was, like, some girl in the hallway. Remember? It was, like, some... I can't remember her name, but it was some girl in the hallway. Like, another, like, character they just made up. And then Umbridge says, As I said before, Mr. Potter... Naughty children deserve to be punished. <laughs> that never happened. Ever. Plus, they were trying to keep that a secret the whole time. <laughs> By the way, just throwing that out there. Uh, now, I'll turn this back to you. Because um, this is when Fred and George have, like, a prank. So, I'm going to turn that one back to you, man. Because those are your boys. Well, there was a lot of stuff wrong with this. Like, so, Fred and George's, like, exit like was, like, a three-step process. Like, they did things and like a like that so they what they did in the movie is they just basically made it into one big exit and here's one thing i'll say before that because remember well, leading off of where we talked about how harry saw the memory of, of snape in the pensieve well i guess in in the shield charm he did it in the film so whatever you want to say but regardless uh, harry never went to umbridge's fire to talk to sirius about what he saw in the pensieve like, that was one of the first things he wanted to do was talk to Sirius, and Fred and George were going to give him the distraction to do so. And he actually has that conversation in the book, and then it ends up Lupin was actually there too, and Lupin grabs Sirius, and they both had the conversation with Harry. That, does, that doesn't appear in the book. Why is that? I mean, I'm sorry, that doesn't appear in the movie. And why is that important? Because, like, number one, that's one of the final conversations you'll have of all of them together. And number two, like, Harry was really worried about how he viewed his own dad from that point. It's like, shit, like, 
Maybe my dad was a piece of garbage that Snape was talking about. And he was having this conflicted emotions. Like, he doesn't even know if he wants to be proud anymore. People say he's like his dad. Like, you know, so you can't leave that out. Um, but yes. Now, to talk about the Fred and George situation. Well, they did a bunch of stuff. They put, like, the non-dissolvable swamp, like, the swamps there. Like, in the corridors in the books. You know, they they gave people all the skiving snack boxes to throw up in Umbridge's class and get out of her class. Like, they just did a bunch of stuff to you know lead up to it where in the movie they this is something that's really big too remember he's like we didn't want we haven't done anything since whatever because we didn't want to interrupt people studying it's not the it's not the students that we want to bother it's umbrage so like you know while people have been studying for these upcoming examinations we we've been very quiet you know but we're about to hit our next step in the plan well that apparently is thrown out the window in the movie because they actually disrupt the owl examination in the film they're actually taking the owl when they like go through their legendary exit and like it was kind of cool we got to see like the big fire dragon coming down and the fireworks and them just going ahead and like doing everything on their brooms but because there was no quidditch in there we never got to see you know harry fred and george getting kicked off the quidditch team and having their brooms locked up so they never got to see like accio brooms and like have it come to them and make their daring escape when they're about to get caught and she was like you know what? Like you guys are about to learn what happens when you you, know, you disrupt my school, and they're like, "I don't think we are. We're actually on our way the fuck out." Well, they didn't happen <laughs> like that at all in the movie. In the movie, they just started destroying stuff, flipping the papers. Remember, like, like all those tables and papers and stuff were like littered onto the ground, and that that was just the way that they went out. They ended up flying out of the the, um, the windows or whatever, you know, escaping the grounds. But it just was done. It was super anticlimactic. It was really well published because it was a legendary. It was described like as things of legend. It was gonna be a Hogwarts legend of like how the you know the twins escaped and what they did, you know. And they gave Peeves like an awesome like things like give her hell from us, Peeves, and it said Peeves never took order from a student, but like gave him a salute and stuff. Like, like they really undersold the level of destruction and mayhem that Fred and George actually caused. And the movie, it was just like, oh, we're gonna. You know, turn over the papers, cause big booms during the examinations. We're going to scare Umbridge out onto the courtyard with our big fire dragon firework. And then we're going to peace out of here. Like, it just, it was, it was lame. And it was just, you know, I guess the actual firework dragon looked cool. I guess that was visually nice to see, whatever. But that's another thing, too. Umbridge (laughs) is not the one that oversees the exams. In the books, it was like that Professor Tofty or whatever it was. Like, there was like a whole examination committee. And in the movie, it's just like Umbridge standing there with the clock swinging back and forth, like while she's overseeing the examinations. And it It just doesn't happen. There was only one exam. There was only one exam. It was the charms exam. Flitwick is the charms professor. Yeah. It's then like, you know, I guess I, I guess I did like the visuals of the twins exit, but. Then when all that happened, for some reason in the film, this is where they decided that Harry was going to have that vision of Sirius being, you know, caught by Voldemort. Where Outside. in the book, it was like during the history of Magic Owl. Like there was a bunch of owls that they had taken. They had taken charms. They had taken transfigurations. They had taken defense against the dark arts. You know, they had that astronomy one. Like they just completely left that out that we talked about. The astronomy <laughs> final where like not only did not only did Hagrid fight the Ministry of Thistles, but McGonagall came to run out there and she got hit. With like four stunning spells at once, they left all of that out. It's a huge battle. You can't leave that out because now you know the reason why you can't leave that out. McGonagall being gone from the school because they're now they're out Dumbledore and now they're out McGonagall. The two people that like were constants in Hogwarts, like they they took them out and they just leave that out of the book. It's ridiculous. But 
Yeah, they, they, he actually ends up having that vision when he starts falling asleep in the history of magic class because he wasn't getting enough sleep the night before. So they had already done a bunch of owls. They, like you're right, they all did was show that one charms owl, and then they go out to the front porch area there, you know, and then he collapses and has that vision, and you know, offer to the races, right? And, you know, I also left out that they left out the career, the career advice where McGonagall and Umbridge argue over Harry's desire to be an Auror. They just decided that wasn't an important part of the story either. So, whatever, man. I'll, I'll turn it back over to you, but that's some of the shit that pisses me off. Oh, no, definitely. I wrote down the dragon, first of all. Like, I was hoping it would look more like in Lord of the Rings. Like, in the Fellowship of oh. the Rings when Mary and Pippin. <laughs> yeah, be, that would have been badass. The dragon looked like a cartoon or something. Like, it was like a cartoon dragon. I don't know. I don't think Red and George would have done that. Also, like, their brooms and the prank were set up at the end for them to sail off with, you know, so then all that was there and, like, the swamp and all that was there at the very end, like, as a testament to Fred and George. None of that was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then Flitwick, I did want to say, like, he was there, but the only part he's there that I noticed is when they're standing outside when, like, Harry, like, collapses. And he's supposed to be, like, their teacher. So even worse... Why are you even going to put him in the scene at that point? Like, why? Did I remember you... he did that one, like, he did that Tiger Woods thing. He's like, yes. I remember that. Like, he did that, like, yeah. Like, he, he, when, yeah, like, that was it. Like, when he was, like, supposed to be a teacher, but he was happy about what they were doing to get against Umbridge. And he's like, yeah. Like, that was the only thing I saw him do. But, yeah, go ahead. Keep continue on. No, no, 100%. But, like, why would you even, like, have that scene in there if he's going to be there? Like, why wouldn't you literally just make him do it? <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, make, make him um, do. Make him do what? Yeah, like I mean, I. I, I don't no, know I'm that. asking. Make make him do what? I don't. I don't. I don't get your question. Like you said, why oh, no, you just like, make him do why it? Make Because Flitwick taught charms, not Umbridge. Umbridge. Well, taught right, but like the the actual the actual um, professors weren't a part of the owl examinations in the book. It was the oh, yeah. examination committee. Yeah. No, like there was no I, like you know. Yeah. Yeah. There was no, like, you know, Professor Fulwick didn't oversee charms. McGonagall, remember? It was mm-hmm. saying, like, in the book about, like, the potions when he's like, it was actually easy for the area to do the practical exam without Snape breathing over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. So, like, the, the actual right. professors of those subjects aren't in the, they aren't part of the examinations for the owls. It's the examination committee, which they left that out, too. So, like, he wouldn't have done <laughs> it regardless, but, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, no, that's what I was saying, though, is, like, they still paid the actor to be there. So, like, why didn't you just actually save some money with Umbridge's scene and just have Flitwick uh, be over charms if that's technically Well, because what you're at that point imply. in time, they wanted to chase they wanted to chase Umbridge out with Fred and George's, like, fireworks and, like, scare out into the balcony and stuff. So that's probably why, yeah, but... That makes sense. Yeah. It was just still... It was, it was all over the place. Um... Okay, here was a big one. This was a big one. Uh, so, well, you mentioned it. Like, the whole thing with, like, Rockwood. Did you mention that? That wasn't even really in there. Rookwood. By the way. Yeah, Rookwood. Though. No, yeah, we didn't We didn't actually mention that. That was long ago. That that was, okay, gotcha. No, yeah. that was, and that was a yeah, long was, time ago, too, when that happened. But, yeah. Yeah, so I just wanted to bring that up. Like, there was no vision of that with Rockwood or any of that. Uh, well, well, we basically hit on it. There were no dreams, really, that were accurate. <laughs> That's basically what. Um, and Oh, here. This was a big one. So, you hit on the dream, but as far as, like, when, like, how you said, you know, there was no, 
he was never trying to contact Sirius in Umbridge's office. The way they get dragged into Umbridge's office is like Umbridge like walks on them like in the hallway, like talking about it, and she's like, "Were you trying to contact somebody? You were trying to contact Dumbledore, weren't you?" Like she just like walks on them and like brings them all into the office. Like, does that make any sense? Well, and like, in the film, at least I don't know if it, the, we saw different ones, but like he put like the flu powder in there and was about to go into the fire to check to see if Sirius was actually there or not. But before he got into the fire, that's when she came bursting into the office. Okay, that's when it like, was. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I was probably writing notes. But yeah, I just remember they were in the hallway, like, at first talking about it. And then, but yeah, she just, like, popped in there. Okay, I get that. I'll give him that one. <laughs> but no, it was still in. bad because, like, he actually does get into the fire and ask Creature. That's another thing they leave out because Creature betrays them at that point in time. Mm-hmm. They don't even show that. He doesn't even get his head into the fire to ask Creature, hey, is Sirius home? And Creature would tell him, no, like, that didn't happen. He put the flu powder in, the fire turned green, Umbridge burst in the door before he could even put his head down. Like, that, like that's stupid. Like, regardless, it's still wrong. Like, it's... Yeah, it's, like, it's still wrong. Um, you know, I'll take this one. So, the fire flight scene. So, like, Umbridge is out there, and, you know, this was Hermione's whole... Here's my issue, is being in that office, she mentions a weapon. They haven't mentioned a weapon at all this movie. Like, so how does Hermione know about a weapon if they haven't mentioned it once in the film? Like, when have they ever mentioned a weapon until this point? And she's like, oh, Dumbledore has a weapon? Follows oh, him out wait, there. no, they did They did mention the weapon in the very beginning. In that, in that kitchen scene where we talked about how dumb it was, where everyone was just talking about, like, what the order was up to. Oh, like I okay. said, they did mention, like, the weapon that Voldemort didn't have last time. So, like, there was a weapon mentioned, even though it's not specifically this weapon. So, at least that was mentioned in the beginning, but still. Like, not, yeah. <laughs> it was very downplayed. Um... And, you know, they get out to the... I thought this was kind of cool with the centaurs. Like, the girl that... The actress that played Umbridge did really well. Where she was like, filthy half-breed! And she, like, throws it. And it. I thought it was cool, the visual of, like, it actually wrapping around the centaur's body. But they tried to make it seem like it was, like, choking his neck out. When, well, that's like, what it did was, in the book. Yeah. That's what it did in the book. Like, that was a good... That was yeah. actually accurate. I mean, that was yeah. pretty accurate. Um... Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to him. But I did like the way she used that shield charm, too. She, like, used that shield and, like, stopped it with the arrow. Uh, so that was cool. It was pretty accurate. I'll give him that. Um, and she was like, enough, I will have order. It was good. I, I liked it. Um, and, but, you know, once again, there was no... My issue with that scene was there was no, like, specific centaurs. For instance... Uh, what was his name? That was like Magorian. Yeah, there was a couple the of them. One? Yeah, yeah, Mongol. Yeah, Magorian, and then also Bane was another one. That Bane, was... that was his name. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them were in there at all. But uh, I'll give it to him. Like it was okay for if you had to be, <laughs> if you had to be quick about it. But then when Grop showed up, like he never got hit in the face with arrows. Like, none of that was there. Like, Grop just, like, showed up, and he's like, here I am, Groppy. Like, there was no Hermie. There was no none of that. Like, that entire scene with Grop that I broke down on this episode was shit. Like, it was garbage. Um, And I'll do this one, and I'll send it back to you. They meet back up with the group, and this is what I was talking about. No one was injured. Everyone was completely fine. And Hermione goes, how'd you get away? 
and Ron goes, told them I was hungry and wanted some sweets. They told me to bugger off and ate the lot themselves. And Hermione goes, that was clever, Ron. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? I mean, I don't understand. Who in their right mind would buy that? Um, and, and then even worse, on top of that point, Ron goes, has been known to happen. And Neville goes, it was brilliant. Like, why the fuck was that brilliant? Are you that stupid? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I'm turning it back over to you. This leaves us all competent. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really silly. I mean, I guess, like, the whole thing was, like, they were Fred and George describing snack boxes that they ate, and then that's why they all got sick, you know? So, but still, yeah. like, you know, that's still not something they would do, like, oh, I'm going to eat those sweets on you. Like, what? That's really silly. <laughs> like, but there was a couple things I had even before that, like, that just really frustrated me. Like, I, I mentioned it, but I want to talk about it more. It's like, you know, Harry didn't even get the chance to use a fire in the movie. He gets caught before he can check the series as home. But, like, the problem is that is leaves out Creature's Betrayal, which is one of the biggest key moments of why Sirius ends up in the Department of Mysteries to begin with. Because if he ends up, you know, not betraying them and saying, yeah, Sirius is here, they're like, that's it. Like, there's no issue, right? But, you know, you right. just leave, leave that out entirely. It's just silly. Um, then also... This is an interesting thing. Snape in the movie says he gave the last of the Veritasium for Umbridge to inter interrogate Cho Chang, where it was Harry in the book. Remember that? Like, like that's why. That, so now we learn how they got the information out of Cho is because Snape actually gave Umbridge the Veritasium. But the problem with that is, is Snape gave fake Veritasium in the book. You think that Snape would actually allow her to, to interrogate a student that way? But in the movie, they literally were like, yep, Snape gave her the real Veritas serum and Cho Chang spilled the beans. <laughs> like, this no, 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 point. no. That's not what happened. Like, Snape would never actually poison a student like that. Like, like, like that was the worst thing that the movie, one of the worst things the movie could have done because they they literally, literally go to all costs to not harm the students. Like, even Snape, so Dumbledore tells Harry at the, the, the thing is like the Lost Prophecy chapter, I think it's chapter 37, uh, the Dumbledore's like, yeah, you know, that's why Snape gave Umbridge fake Veritas serum to interrogate with. So they knew it was gonna be fake. But in the movie, they're like, yep, we gave it to interrogate Mrs. Chang, and she spilled <laughs> the beans about the DA, and she took it and drank it. Yeah, I gave it to you. Yep, I did it, and you used it, and we illegally used a potion on a student. Apparently, we're gonna be okay <laughs> with that in the film. That's ridiculous. That goes to the, the point. Ugh. It just adds to your point. They obviously didn't read this book. No. Because they would know it would change the entire outcome from yes. going on. Like, literally changes everything. But, yeah. All right. On top of that, Grop and Umbridge never cross paths in the book. In the movie, like, she, like, sees Grop. In the book, she actually never sees Grop. She's already taken away by the centaurs by the time, like, remember that she gets taken away, then... Harry and, and Hermione, like, try to figure out how to get out of there. The centaurs surround them, and then they're like, see, they were using us to get rid of her. They're using us to do our dirty work. How arrogant these humans are. And they were thinking about their attacking or getting rid of Harry and Hermione and taking them with Umbridge. Then Grob showed up then. But Grob and Umbridge never actually laid eyes on each other in the book. They just decided to add that in the movie for no reason. Um, on top of that, in the next one... The movie doesn't show Luna help Jenny, Ron, and Hermione onto the onto the festival. So apparently they just figured that out themselves. Apparently, like even though Ron, <laughs> Hermione, and Jenny can't see these beasts, they can figure out how to get up on them no problem. Like in the book, it says like Luna sits there, helps them get up there, can't gets them all settled. It. 
But like yeah. apparently in the movie, nope, we just all know how to ride invisible creatures now. It's all good. Like, all right, that's <laughs> fine. Uh, and then also, like, this is dumb. This is petty, and this is something small that it doesn't matter. They left out, but I still liked it. The whole phone booth thing, where like yeah. the rescue mission buttons came out. I would have liked to see them pour out Harry Potter rescue mission buttons on their chests. You know, like so. They, I don't know. They just didn't have it in there. That's not a big deal. And then uh, this is the last one I've got a big problem with. Before I turn back over to Chase, is that apparently in the movie they just find the Hall of Prophecy immediately, like that. Like, they don't, there was a whole process, like, going into wrong rooms, <laughs> Sirius's knife, like, melted in one room that they tried to break into, like, there was the room with the time clocks, like, the chamber of death they see for the first time before it gets big later on, then, like, there there was also the, the one with the brains, like, they, there was a whole process of rooms they were trying and getting wrong before they finally found the Hall of Prophecy. And the movie was just was like, they knew exactly where they were. Here we are, the whole prophecy. We just got in here. Here we are. Like, unbelievable. Like, it's just, it was crazy. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, bro. Like, that's just, ugh. Yeah, it's sad. It, it's very sad is what it is. Um, from here, because you hit on all that. By the way, too, just throwing that. Okay, I'll pick up here. When they get to the Hall of Prophecies... How do they even know, like, 93, 94, 95, and they're headed to 96? Was that in, like, a dream at some point that I yeah. just... Yeah, he dreamed, he, dreamed about, okay. he dreamed about, like, the 97, Road 97. But like, Got it. Okay, but he's just randomly hearing words, 97, apparently, right? Oh, he saw, he <laughs> saw it. He saw the row in this dream. In the dream, he saw the row 97, so... Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, I'll give it to him. Um... But, yeah, this was a big point. Bodrick Road just was never brought up. We brought it all. up before. None of St. Mungo's was. None of St. Mungo's. No, <laughs> no Gilderoy Lockhart with the photos he was signing. No Bodrick Bode. No Neville's parents. Nothing. Like, the, everyone from St. Mungo's was just left out. Yeah. Um, Neville in the movie actually shows Harry the prophecy, where in the book, remember, is Ron. Mm-hmm. So, like, why would you need to change that? But I guess I wrote this down. This was their testament to Neville because they cut out his entire, like, hero scene. Like, that wasn't even there. Uh, not to mention, just throwing this out there, the entire, like, corridor idea with the dais. Remember, it even describes, like, instead of a a, a chair with chains, like, it was like a dais. It was that entire dais. It was a stone, yeah, it was, like, it was like a dais and a stone archway with a black tattered mm-hmm. veal curtain. Like, like yeah. that, that was, like, flapping slightly. Like, like, that was, yeah. And it looked like something that they got out of Ghostbusters that they carved out of the Grand Canyon. Well, I told you what I thought it was, right? I said, like, I mean, we were talking about this ourselves. Like, if you guys ever watch the movie Hercules and the River Styx in Hades where, like, yeah. all, like, the ghosts are floating along in that river, it kind of reminded me of fucking that, dude. Like, just, I don't know, yeah. man. The strings won't cut. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Going once, going twice. Okay, 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 okay. You go. She stays. You got a deal. (laughs) That was so great. Two thumbs way, way up. (laughs) Game, set, match. Okay, last one here is, I said this before, Helena Bonham Carter. She was fantastic. Uh, all hands down. She was my favorite part of this film. She was perfect. She's fantastic in almost everything she's in. But she was like perfect Bellatrix's train. Itty bitty 
baby. And then she was, this was my favorite part. Like, of course, you hear nothing about St. Mungo's, just from where Neville brought it up for a minute. But she even brings up the point of, she goes, Neville Longbottom, isn't it? House mom and dad. <laughs> that was so great. That was badass. She was fantastic. Uh, she was my favorite part of the entire film. With that, I'll turn it right back over to you, my man. Sure. So, like, when, when Harry grabbed the prophecy in the movie, like, he heard the prophecy right then and there. That didn't happen. Like, like that didn't happen like that in the book. Remember, he grabbed it off the thing and, like, he started seeing it in the ball itself and heard it. That wasn't a thing in the book, like, at all. He grabbed it, mm-hmm. and then, like, Lucius Malfoy was like, yeah, Top Potter, now give that to me. Like, it never happened where he got to, like, hear it right there in his hand. Like, it was so different. Like, then, this is another part we're talking about. Luna doesn't use the Levicorpus spell. That spell isn't even mentioned until Half-Blood Prince. This happened again. Like, this is the second time now. Ridiculous. And not even, like, the kind for the Boggarts. This is actually just ridiculous. <laughs> like, you know what it's I mean? Even, like, it's like even, unbelievable. It's even worse. We're having to give away spoilers to yes! explain something that shouldn't be. <laughs> I couldn't put it better myself. Uh, next thing I have is, like, the battle was way more intense in the books with almost all the group becoming incapacitated in one way or the other. They don't just all end up in the death chamber and get taken hostage except Harry. Like, literally, like, we, we have them, in the book, they split up. Remember, it was Harry, Hermione, and Neville in one room. Then Ron, Ginny, and Luna ran into, like, another one. They are all, they are all dis, like, combobulated. They didn't end up in the same place. Like, Hermione gets that Anton and Dolohov spell across the chest that I mentioned in my interesting facts. She's incapacitated. Like, he had kicked Neville, broke Neville's wand, broke his nose, so now Neville can't pronounce spells right, so they're not working. His nose is all fractured. So Harry's the only one there. They end up into that one room, the circular rotating room. Harry, and I'm sorry, Ron and Neville, I'm sorry, Ron, Luna, and Ginny come stumbling out of that one room, and Ron looks like he's drunk, like he's saying weird things, like his he's not in his right mind. Ginny's ankle's broken, like Luna's kind of okay. So like, really... All these guys are like incapacitated one place or another, and when they finally corner them into that one room, and Harry retreat, like, like that one person, you know, with the Cole Porter's charm, ends up shouldering the door before Luna can get it sealed, knocks Luna clean out, blasts someone, blasts Ginny in the face with a stupefy spell. So really, like at this point, realistically, Hermione's unconscious, Ginny's unconscious, Luna's unconscious, and then it's Neville and Harry are the only ones. And then obviously Ron's incapacitated with the brain thing. So it's only Neville and Harry. And Neville and Harry tells Neville, hey, Neville, stay with the others. I'm going to get out of here try to lure them away. And he does with the prophecy. That's what's supposed to happen in the book. In the film, they're just all fine and dandy. And they all make a last stand, just the children, in the fucking chamber of death. <laughs> like, they all just make a last stand. And all of a sudden, the Death Eaters swarm around. And they all... And they all come around Harry, and it's like, well, you know, a big game of, like, the cups, where the ball and the cups are. And then, like, they all disappear. <laughs> and, and like, cups. yeah, and then they all, like, go around Harry, and Harry's sitting there with a prophecy by himself. And then they all got wands to his friend's head. Like, all they had, like, that's just silly. That was so dumb. And then the <laughs> biggest problem I have, not maybe in the whole thing altogether, but one of the biggest problems in this scene that I have is that, like, the, the movie... When the order came down and started like raining spells down, the movie made it look like the order was like kicking ass and taking names. 
Where if you guys remember, in the book, the Order got their ass kicked. And that's why I, I almost had a plot hole to that. I was like, why were these Death Eaters having a hard time with 15 and 14-year-olds, but, like, knocking the shit out of pure, like, like full-grown adults in the Order? Like, remember, Mad-Eye Moody was, like, laid on his side with his eye rolled out of his socket, and Harry stepped on his eye. And then Tonks was unconscious, falling down the stone steps because they, they incapacitated her. And then, like, obviously you see what happens to Sirius, but, like, in the movie, it made it look like these Order people were, were whooping these Death Eaters' asses. And then, like, they had that... The one cool part I did like, it wasn't even accurate, but I actually liked it, is when Sirius and Harry were standing side by side and whipping spells at the Lucius Malfoy and the other Death Eater there. Like, that looked really cool. Too bad it never fucking happened. Like, like you know? But it was just really, really silly. It was just really dumb. Um, two more things, and I'll give it to, to Chase is Harry actually never gives Lucius the prophecy. So in the in the yeah. book, like, you know, that never happens. Like, he's about to, and the order comes down. In the movie, he gives him the prophecy. That never happens. Like, Harry actually throws it to Neville, who put it in his own pocket, and then was hit with a jelly legs curse, and when Harry pulled him up, <laughs> the robes ripped, and Neville kicked the prophecy, smashing it. So he never once actually gave it. Lucius Neville never held the prophecy in his possession in the books. In the movie, Harry's like, fine, and gives him the prophecy. That's so silly. Then, when that moment came where they killed Sirius, Bellatrix actually never hit Sirius with the Avada Kedavra curse. In yes. the movie, that's what she did. She's like, Avada Kedavra, and it hit him, and then he fell through the veil. That's not what happened. She shot a red streak of light at him, which would, to me, mean the stupefy curse. That's what usually happens with the stupefy curse. Right. Exactly. And then, like, he, like, dodged that one and laughed, and he's like, you can do better than that, and because he got arrogant and cocky, left his stuff wide open, mm-hmm. then got hit in the chest with the second burst of light. Never once said it was a Vaticadaver, never said it was a flash of green light, so another burst of light hit him square in the chest, and the, the uh, momentum of the spell knocked him, and said his back was arched as he flew through the curtain. And like you said, it wasn't like this like ghastly thing where he just like, ooh, and it like sucks him through <laughs> it and turns transparent into a ghost. Like, it, like it's supposed to be like this really creepy, eerie thing where like he falls behind a black curtain where there's nothing but pitch black behind it. And Harry's thinking, oh, he's just going to come out the other side. Or he's going to come back behind that veil real quick. He just needs to come right back out. And it said like, like in the book it said like, the curtain fluttered quickly and then stopped and went back to its slow thing. So it's like it took another soul. So like it was very, you know, very kind of similar to that Marvel thing where, you know, you have to like a soul for a soul type deal. Like that, you know, yeah, the curtain only thing. made a movement because if someone passed through it. So it was just super different. And yeah. And then also the last thing before I turn over Chase is that uh, they were like the order was fucked until Dumbledore showed up. And for some reason in the movie, it doesn't show Dumbledore rounding up the Death Eaters with that one quick whip spell or the anti disapparation jinx. It doesn't show him doing anything at all to the Death Eaters. So with that, bro, I'll turn it over to you because I'm getting frustrated. I don't even... It, it literally pisses me off. I'm talking about this. It pisses me off. Taking a little bit of a step back, I got to give him a little bit of credit. Michael Bay Syndrome. Remember Ginny shouts, Reducto! <laughs> like it explodes all the spheres. I thought the explosion was badass to watch. Like, visually stunning. So Yeah, too bad movie. it wasn't, like, accurate or, like, realistic. Because Reductor doesn't really do it like oh, that. Because, like, yeah. I know why they did it. Because they made it. They made Ginny do that to that Death Eater-looking thing in the Room of Requirement. That, like, dummy. Mm-hmm. And she'd reduce it to ashes. So they wanted to make that come back around full circle. So I get what the movie was doing with that. Too bad that, like, it's not actually accurate. So, <laughs> but, <all>. but yeah. <laughs> I did like the part you said though. Is it was cool when um, 
I guess like it was like Harry and and Sirius were teaming up and it it kind of see here's the thing they did this too and I don't even know if they realized like what this did like what perspective it brought in like really reiterating the book I don't even think they fucking realized that when Harry and James were teaming up and uh Harry or James sorry Harry and James fucking he thinks Harry's James right no Sirius and Harry are teaming up and remember Sirius uh what was it Rodolfo or whatever his name was not Rodolphus Lestrange what was his name uh not Rockwood Rebastian what was his name that was next to Lucius that Sirius shot off the thing and then he hit Lucius you mentioned him earlier. oh I mean there, there there was a Rodolphus there there was yeah Rodolphus that was there yeah I was going to say, remember, Sirius hit Rodolphus, and then Harry goes, Expelliarmus! And, like, hits, uh, hits, like, he hits Lucius's wand, and he drops the wand, and he's like, nice one, James! And then it kind of goes quiet for a minute, and Harry looks at him, and then that's when, like, he hits Lucius and knocks Lucius back right before he gets hit with the Avada Kedavra. But what I don't even think the directors realized was this made such a big part of the movie because it reiterated the whole thoughts of the book that they just omitted omitted from the film on how Hermione and these people were saying, like, he kind of sees Harry as as James are reliving the old good times. So I thought that was a really cool ad. But then you go to the Avada Kedavra shit. Oh, sorry. I I thought that was cool, too. But, like, I remember in the book because I was like, man, was that in the book, Mm -hmm. too? No, he just says nice one in the book. He doesn't say nice yeah. one, James. He says nice one in the book. So, like, they added something that actually wasn't in the book that actually probably would have made the book even a little bit cooler if the book did that's that. That's what I'm saying. So, like, that's, yeah. like, the one the one piece that, like, the movie actually was helpful. <laughs> but, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, that was the one piece I thought was fantastic, but I don't even think the directors realized they were doing it. I just think, <laughs> like, maybe we were like, oh, maybe he remembers of this. Because they omitted all the other shit. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, it's like, that was the one cool part. But then they totally fuck it up, like you said, with the Avada Kedavra. Because what this does, it also shows audiences. It almost tries to convince audiences that Sirius died not from the veil, but he died from Avada Kedavra. So, like, it totally contradicts the entire idea of why the dais and the veil was even there. If and you hit that also... Nail- yeah. And also, like, it also makes some people think, like, like if Harry, like, Harry would never have been questioning if Sirius would be able to come back through the veil. If, if Harry saw him get hit with a Vaticadaver curse, that's it. He's dead. Like, Harry yeah. wouldn't be sitting here, like, wondering, okay, Sirius, come back through now. Like, if he said, if he got hit with that Vaticadaver curse, Harry'd be like, fuck, he's dead. But no, there was a whole thing of, like, he tried to rush at that, pull him back out of the thing, I and mean, Lupin was holding him so he didn't get to the veil, because, like, Harry thought he could still pull Sirius back in time. Like, Yes, to your point, you're exactly right. There was a whole thing with that, like, yeah, and it's and you hit that nail on the head. Like, I love your statement of woo. I've <laughs> never. Here's what I don't understand. I've never seen like a director try to make something creepy and fuck it up when it's supposed to be creepy. But you're trying to make it creepier. I've never fucking heard of that. I've never fucking heard of that. Like, you're trying to make it creepy and intense like it was with the black tattered veil. He was supposed to fall in, like, a curved motion down into the black, almost like falling, like, 
off a cliff or into like a wormhole or some shit like he like drifted back and even worse too like you get hit with a vada kedavra when i recall cedric got hit with a vada kedavra he was fucking dead like he like waits for me he's like oh. <sighs> and then gets like <sighs> like someone just put up fucking whole new world on a magic carpet ride like, and they banned magic carpets in Egypt, so that makes no fucking sense. I don't get it, man. Someone called the Ghostbusters, because someone didn't know what the fuck they were doing. And that was supposed to be in the Department of Mysteries for years. And with that, I'm going to turn it back over to you, because this shit just pisses me off. Yeah, so then uh, I will get to the part where we, we get to where Voldemort arrives. Remember, like, he tries to talk Harry into killing Bellatrix? Kill her, Harry. Like, like, she did it. Like, like, he never actually does that at all in the book. Like, he shows up and pissed off at Harry. Like, he doesn't try to convince Harry to kill Bellatrix. Like, he's like, he's like, he's like, no, he's not lying. He just shows up. I can't, I can hear her, Potter. Like, you know, like, he, he can't hear you. Right. Can't I, Potter? You've irked me for far too long, far too often. And, like, tries to kill Harry. Like, he doesn't convince, try to convince her, like, do it, Harry. She killed your godfather. You should kill her. Like, that's just doesn't happen. And that was just really silly. It was definitely more badass in the book, too. But anyways, uh, like I said, Voldemort sends the killing curse to Harry in the book, and Dumbledore, like, always waits till the last second and sends a statue between the curse <laughs> and Harry, where in the movie, he disappears in the grate, and it's like they just forget about everybody else. Like, that's just it. Like, like remember how that statue, one pinned Bellatrix, one pinned Harry, so it was just Voldemort versus Dumbledore? Like, no, they just, like, honestly, Dumbledore appears in the grate, and then it's just like, that was it. Like, that was just them in, in that moment. And I'll let you actually talk about the, the battle itself, the difference there. I won't say too much about that. But I will say um, Dumbledore looks fearful and overmatched in the film. Where in the book, it was more like the battle was more in Dumbledore's favor. But like he looked terrified and scared and nervous if you see his facial expressions during that whole battle. Go back and watch it, guys. You can look at a YouTube clip if you don't want to watch the full movie. Because I don't blame you if you don't want to watch the full movie. But you can go back and watch that five-minute clip of the Dumbledore versus Voldemort battle and you'll see what I'm talking about like Dumbledore looking like wide-eyed fearful scared of like what's coming where in the book it matched how calm he was I he was like he was like strolling down the hall while he was you know that's basically how calm he was and like how the power reverberated just from, like a little flick of his wand like we didn't see any of that like it was just it showed it as you know Dumbledore was lucky to get Harry and himself out of there alive like that's like that's basically what it looked like in the film and it just couldn't be further from the truth anyways the possession was weird in the movie in the book Voldemort couldn't sustain it because of the love inside Harry when Harry thought about Sirius and that loss and that pang of love and like you know that, that he's like but in the thing it says you never know love or friendship and I feel sorry for you that's what he <laughs> says about Voldemort the fuck was that? <laughs> like, he never says that. Like, 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 like that was see a, him, I'll kill him. Dude, that was the dumbest thing in the world. Like, he tells Voldemort, I, you never knew friendship or love, and I feel sorry for you. Dude, Harry never once felt sorry for Voldemort in that circumstance. He does feel sorry for Voldemort later on in Deathly Hallows at the very, very end. I'm not going to leave anything away. But 
Anyways, I just thought that was really silly. I don't know what the fuck that was added for. <laughs> but then to, I'm just going to give these that. last quick, quick three bullets because that will end me on my ends for the Go differences. For last three ones I have is why was Harry so calm in Dumbledore's office in the film? In the book, he was smashing shit left and right, <laughs> flipping tables, destroying all the silver instruments, like like being like a psycho rager. And in the movie, he's just sitting on the on the thing, like pouty and like <laughs> like like he just it just wasn't portrayed bitch. correctly at all. Like I'm afraid I have too uh, many things. If you would like to destroy more, dude, he didn't, <laughs> was, he didn't destroy shit like... in the movie. No, and then. Yeah. Like, Dumbledore was supposed to show Harry the prophecy Pensieve style and explain where in the movie like Harry just like guessed it and Dumbledore said <laughs> I cared too much about you there was no backstory about how it went from like how Dumbledore didn't want to tell him in year, like, when he was 11 or when he was 12 or when he was 13 or last year when he was 14 like there was a whole thing of like how should I tell him maybe I shouldn't tell him you know like he's just not old enough yet but he's already overcome this like it does nothing to show and build the internal struggle Dumbledore had about telling him the truth or not and then it, how it, it because Sirius was now killed now Dumbledore had no choice like listen like it's my fault I should have told you so a long time ago if I did maybe this stuff never would have happened that's not mentioned or built up or even alluded to in the movie. And that's really frustrating. And the last one I have before I turn it over to Chase is that, and this is, I'm talking about the last one I've got, period, for the film and movies. You know, obviously the, on the Hogwarts Express 2, I didn't talk about it with like the Draco Malfoy thing and then like turning him into basically overgrown slugs. But one is like, this is really important here. Harry didn't seek out nearly headless Nick to ask about Sirius coming back as a ghost. Yeah. That's never. You need never. to do that. That's something you cannot leave out. Uh, anyways, that, those are the differences I have, and that's that's what I got. <laughs> I'll let Chase go ahead and go through the rest that he's got here, and oh, we'll finish it, up with you guys. It's exhausting. It's exhausting pointing out these fucking problems. You know what's funny too is uh, I know because this is this is my chapter, right? So I have to take this one. But I literally was like almost wanting you to take it because it, it it's a disgrace to my fucking favorite chapter in the entire series. Like, it's a fucking disgrace. Um, by the way, too, I'm surprised you didn't bring this up. Fred and George, so nothing's ever mentioned on how Fred and George got the money for money for the joke shop. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. <laughs> like, that was never mentioned. Um, but okay, where are we? So let's get started here. So Dumbledore arrives by flu powder, apparently. I didn't know that's how it happened because, oh, that's right, they had to do that because they cut out the entire brain room. Uh, last time I checked, he arrived at the top of the steps of the brain room. No, the death chamber. The in. death chamber, not the brain room. The death chamber. What room was it? The death, the death chamber. chamber. Sorry, yeah. I mean the death yeah. chamber. Yeah, sorry, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. For all our audiences that haven't read the books, <laughs> the death chamber where the dais and the veil is. Yeah. What I mean is, in remember, he ran down the steps mm -hmm. and he looped that Death Eater in. And they were, like, literally running like we talk about, like, the Belrog. Like, they were getting out of there. Like you said, they acted like he was, like, fearful or, like, trying to, like, hide Harry. I get it. Like, remember, there was that one part where he was, like, stay out of here, Harry, or whatever, where you saw him raise his voice. But never once was he, like, fucking afraid or, like, could barely hold his own. Remember Voldemort, like, shot that spell? Yep. And he was, like, trying to hold it? It reminded me of, like, how they described Harry in fucking Goblet of Fire. Yeah. Like, the damn wand was about to explode. No! <laughs> no! Oh my, get the fuck out of here. Anyways, 
Fox isn't even in the battle at all. Where he so remember first of all, the big part of this battle that they tried to give to Voldemort was this fire snake that he conjured. He did conjure that in the book. I do give him that. But that's because like Dumbledore formed that fire whip and it got sent out of him. Remember like the big part with Voldemort? I don't recall like Voldemort ever going ha 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 like at Dumbledore like thinking he's owning his ass right now. Ha 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 It was like the like snake came out him. And then right before that too, remember Voldemort was having to like conjure the shield, like do everything he could. He was pulling out all the stops. This was not a goblet of fire fucking around. They almost acted like Voldemort was like fucking around. Pulling out his like special move. So anyways, then this big ass fire snake comes down, which it wasn't, I guess you can see it this way. I, I It was a cool, really cool visual. So I guess if you want to elaborate it this way, I'm okay with it. But like it came down and like for some reason Dumbledore like swatted away as if you would like swat away a fucking mosquito or a fly with his wand. He was like, whoo, <laughs> like swatted away or something. Like he didn't know what to do and he was like afraid of the fucking snake. Like what the, he was like, oh, like <laughs> he was gonna hear so he like swatted it away or something. And then remember, like, Dumbledore, like, uh, stopped, like, so apparently, I don't know what this was that he casted. Please explain and elaborate if you know. But Voldemort just goes, Dah! <laughs> and it, like, shoots that fucking blast after he does the water spell. So the water spell, I gotta say real quick, backtracking for just a second. That was in the book where Dumbledore like takes him and puts him in that water spell after he pushes Harry away. That was really cool. But then like he pushes him down. It's described how you could almost barely see Voldemort. Voldemort like hits the ground and like apparates up again, like not even wet or anything. Like he's like, I'm here. Almost like they had cut a scene and it like there was a splice in the film. Like he just like fucking appeared there. And then this is when you have that whole like he goes. But I don't know what the fuck this was. I guess we're doing we're not doing incantations anymore, apparently. Like he already distributed how to do wandless magic. Like he was just like Dah! Like he just turned fucking Super Saiyan 3. And he just like blasted out all the shit. And the glass like came from all over the fucking ministry. And he's like, and, like holds up the fucking wand. He holds up the wand and like the glass goes over. It reminded me of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There's a scene in Buffy the Vampire Slayer where there is this witch where she goes, bag of knives. And it was like three knives. Well, no, like this fucker, Voldemort, goes like, <laughs> like the knives comes up and he's like, pulls a fucking Vegeta, Majin Vegeta. And like all the knives come up and shoot at Dumbledore. And all of a sudden he's like, oh. Fuck, I'm about to lose this fucking shit too. He didn't actually say that, but you, I, in the words of fucking Aragorn, I can see the fear in your eyes, the same fear that wants to take the heart of me, and it shoots at him, and then he like turns the glass into snow and stops it. And this is where you pick up, man. Like Voldemort realizes, like in the book, like maybe he should take an intellectual approach. And he like sees Harry and he disappears and he goes over to him and tries to possess him. And remember his eyes are like turning white and green 
whatever it was. But the biggest problem I have with this possession shit is he sees, like, Voldemort in a suit at King's Cross. <laughs> like, where the fuck did that come from? I was like, <sighs> Well, remember he dreamed about that from the beginning of the movie. In the beginning of the movie, he dreamed that Voldemort was in the suit in King's Cross. That was just doing a flashback okay. of the stuff he had saw. But still, that never happened in the book. Like, he never, never yeah. once was there a Voldemort in a suit at King's Cross in the book. I don't yeah, know. well, that's what I mean. But, yeah, it's... It was just absurd. And like you said, it was um, in the scene where he was possessed. Remember Dumbledore, like, as after Harry, you gave that whole scene where he's like, and I feel sorry for you. <laughs> and they had those, like, scenes with Ron and Hermione. I thought it was kind of cool, I guess, but it was ridiculous what was going on. <laughs> Literally ridiculous. And um, Dumbledore, like, explains. That's when he explains, like, if I thought I kept my distance from you, like, it wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't be able to engage in your mind and all that stuff. And he, like, explains it to him while he's, like, still on the floor. As, like, all the students are watching him, like, writhe on the floor still. Like, remember Harry, like, wakes up, like, not, like, just with everyone around him. Like, they're, like, watching him writhe and him explain this to them. So Dumbledore's secrets and all this shit are being told to the whole fucking Dumbledore's army, apparently. Being told to the whole fucking world. And then, like, Fudge comes there and, like, sees him. And this is true from the book. He's like, he's back. But, like, everyone shows up and, like, he never saw Voldemort or anything, but he just sees Harry on the ground. And he's just like, he's back! He's back! And apparently there... The movie ends. Well, like, they, they did say no, because like remember, because like they did see Voldemort disapparate with Bellatrix, like go in a big whirl of and like smoke and okay. go at the very end. Yeah, but uh, yeah, dude. But like um, it like cuts off or something. It's like they do the articles. That's the way they did it. They explained everything through the articles after that of like what happened with Umbridge and all the stuff of people being reinstated. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's pretty much what I had from that. Just making sure I had... Oh, yeah, here's another one. So they never go and see the Dursleys at all. So, like, yeah, the no order... Yeah, none of that's there. The order doesn't show up. Go see the Dursleys. Um, and then from there... Um, yeah, so... No, this was the cheesiest line. I'll bring this up, and then, yeah, I'll let you kind of wrap us up here. The cheesiest line I've ever heard was, like, this was at the very end of the film. They were, like, walking somewhere or something. And Harry goes, we've got something Voldemort doesn't have. And it's something worth fighting for. And then it zooms out. It's, like, the castle and, like, the visuals are stunning. But he's like, and it's worth something. It's worth something fighting for. It's like, what? Like, why is it every fucking Harry Potter film, like, they have to leave Daniel Radcliffe with some cheesy-ass line at the end? Like, do you realize that? Like, every fucking Harry Potter film, he has to have some, like, cheesy-ass line. Like, I don't understand why they do this to him, but they are the leader of his own demise. Like, they're responsible <laughs> for why these movies are bad. But that man, it's just... I don't know. Let's do our rankings of this movie and get that over with. Because I, honestly, in the words of Harry, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> and I feel sorry yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, man. Back to you, Daniel. Yep, for sure. So let, let's do something good first. Let's rank the 
book on a scale of one to ten first, and then we'll yeah. rank the movie on a scale of one to ten afterwards, and then we'll wrap up. For me, I'm gonna go ahead because I did find quite a bit of plot holes throughout the the book, and I detailed them throughout the series. Like of the, if you guys come back and listen to where we started order to where we finished it last week, there was there was plot holes that I found uh, quite a bit, and then there's also a lot of questions that maybe not so much plot holes, but left unanswered for me. So I, mean, I can't rank it higher than, than you know, for, for Goblet per se. I think I gave Goblet a 9.5. So what I'll do is I'm going to give Order of the Phoenix an 8.8 .8 out of 10. I'm going to give Order of the Phoenix 8.8 .8 in terms of the novel. The novel receives an 8.8 .8 from me. That we haven't gotten the film yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, no, I agree. Yeah, with no, you yeah. As the, oh, sorry, after you. I didn't mean to interrupt you if you were... No, I was just saying, like, yeah, I'm gonna do the novel rank. You would do the novel rank, then I'll give my film, and you give your film, and then. Oh yeah, we'll no, I knew that way. I was just being sarcastic. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah, I was just being sarcastic. Gotcha. On that. I knew what we were doing, <laughs> but this isn't our first rodeo. <laughs> first rodeo, shitting <laughs> on Harry Potter films. Excuse my language. Yeah. Right. Um. <laughs> yeah. Very sad. Very sad. Um. So here's the thing. I agree with you as far as all the plot holes. I really do. Um, the fact of the matter is I'm biased to it even for sentimental reasons because I told you like I remember when I read this book mm -hmm. and it was I read it so fast because I was so like trying to see like Pirates of the Caribbean that night with my dad and you know I like the whole Halloween kind of spooky theming that they did and I really like the veil and you know I gave you all my reasons last episode on why and you know it mm -hmm. really like this was the book like with Sirius's death you know He's not in my top like you. Like, you're a serious guy. I'm a Lupin guy, but it still hit home for me when he uh, was gone, man. And, you know, I think this is really the book. Like, Goblet is there. Don't get me wrong. Like, we discussed it with kind of the proms and the Yule Ball and stuff. But this is really where you start to see a darker side of things, I would say. Um, you know, even Goblets, you know, it's a little bit like it's definitely they're more adult. But still, like it has a totally different turn. Like, I feel like everything is much darker in this one. Um, and I just thought, you know, like the whole thing, like a departed, the whole sabotage thing was interesting. It could have been probably ridiculous, but uh, ridiculous. <laughs> but I thought it was cool. Me personally, man. Give your ranking. Is it, what is it? Yeah. Yeah. What's your uh, ranking so, on a 1 to 10? Uh, I gave it a 9.8. You can hate me for that, but I give it a 9.8. It's my favorite book, hands down. Crazy man, I, it's got great moments. Like I said, my favorite moment in the whole series is like the battle between the order and like the for the whole the whole thing of from when the Death Eaters arrive to when mm -hmm. you know the start of the Dumbledore Voldemort battle. Like that little section in between where fifteen and fourteen year olds like had to fight off the adults. Like don't get me wrong, it's had a lot of amazing things, but man, there's just a lot of stuff that just doesn't really add up or make sense and. I don't know, but hey, man, it's your ranking, not mine. So you gave the novel a 9.8. Um, cool. Now I'm going to go and talk about the movie and give my ranking for that. I'm not even going to have to say why. We just gave you a whole two and a half hours of why I'm going to give it this ranking. But I'm giving this movie a ranking of 3.7. Oh, God. That's a 30. A 37%. Yep. Fuck, that's low, that, that's, And that's it. I'm not going to elaborate or nothing. You all heard exactly why. This movie ain't shit. So, Jay Nelly, 3.7 on the uh, film, 8.8 .8 on the novel. 
And I'm assuming, Jay Nelly, we're going to do our rankings, like, probably the last episode of this season of, like, our rankings of the book and the rankings of the films, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. So we'll save those for then. This is just, like, the grades. Um, (laughs) That's fucking low. Like, that's, like, really low. Like, I think even, like, Scary Movie 3, that was, like, or, like, Teen Movie got better than Well, think about it. And this this is just my my thought process because, like, I've I've said multiple times, I'm a storyline purist, and this movie did nothing following the storyline or add any important nuances of why things occur the way that they do. Like, that's why. It's, it's, you know, if it might be a good movie for people to watch. I'm not saying overall, you know, as a yeah. viewable pleasure. I'm talking about, I was, I'm going to rank it according to the Harry Potter storyline and how I expected it to go from what I read in the book. That's why I personally am giving it a 3.7. So I'm not saying it's the worst movie that ever existed, but it shouldn't be called Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix. That's all I'm saying. I agree with that. Um, yeah, if that's the way we're ranking it, I mean, I would say, you know, if you've never seen Harry Potter before in your life, you might like it like you'll probably like it if you've never seen harry potter before in your life because there were some cool like visual scenes and stuff winds up making sense because how they piece it together 3.7 is rough <laughs> but uh even helena bonham carter couldn't save that shit man <laughs> like even helena bonham carter couldn't save that shit fuck i'm gonna be generous okay i'm gonna be generous I gave it a 5.5, and that's being generous. But I think that's fair. That's a 55. That's still failing, but, like, honestly, like, that's being generous for the way I should rank it, unfortunately. (laughs) And what's sad is I told you, like, this was the one I should have felt connected for because it was the first Harry Potter film I worked for at the theater, and I saw people camp out for it, and I actually saw this movie as a preview three nights before it premiered because we used to build them in the projection booth and everything there. So I was like, man, this is the one that's going to set the difference because it's like one of the first ones I remember like actually being in high school, like, you know, like watching it in high school as about to go to college. And now going back through it, man, it, it, um, it's sad. Uh, very, very sad. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, man, uh, you want to break us down here? You know it. So, guys, thanks again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed our thorough thrashing of Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix, <laughs> the film, compared to the novel today. We did the differences. So, now when you hear us uh, next week, we're going to be fully, completely done with Order of the Phoenix. We're moving on into Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. So, this has been the last uh, Order of the Phoenix episode that you'll hear from us. So, thanks for, for it, because we know this was one of the longer ones in terms of the total recording times between the episodes that we would do the interesting facts like there was that one episode we did a couple weeks ago where it was five and a half hours and interesting <laughs> facts followed up was like three and a half hours three and, and a then, half <laughs> you know we did one that was like two and a half afterwards and another four and a half hours one after that like you know so we understand that they the, uh, took a lot but this was the biggest book in the franchise and there's a lot of crazy moments so thank you for sticking with us guys always want to say thank you for those who have followed us from the beginning the ones that have jumped on along the way if you haven't, please hit the subscribe button, like, comment, leave reviews. You can find us on any platform where you get your podcasts. On Instagram, you can find us at Official Ridiculous Patronus. On Facebook, the fan page is Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. Uh, like I said, we have uh, any platform 
you know, social media we're on. We got TikTok at uh, we got TikTok at Ridiculous Patronus. We've got uh, Snapchat at RP Factor Fantasy. We got Twitter RP Factor Fantasy. So we're out there, guys. Uh, thank you so much. If you haven't told your friends about it, if it's something that you love, please tell your friends. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. We're all doing all the great stuff over here. At, yeah. at, uh, Don't forget to Chase tell them Josh. no interesting facts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just right. throwing that in there. Yeah. Yes, and then so uh, like Chase had mentioned uh, last week, after this episode, there will be no interesting facts following up with the events that we talked about because we already mentioned you know the ending of order last week so you'll get you got the interesting facts of course already from the last episode of order but you're not going to get interesting facts based on the differences episode so uh this wednesday don't look forward to the interesting facts it's not going to be there guys but outside of that that's going to close us out for today because you know this has been another ridiculous production chase and josh factor fantasy sign off. off